rolling. We started. Is yeah, this we, it? We, we, this is yet, reasonable. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. We got you. Yes, sir. Now. This is the ignorant shit you like. I am King Cooler. This is the ignorant shit you like. I'm Magic This is the ignorant shit you like. Come on. This is the ignorant shit you like. You know the movie you have when a mother got a nine chasing a chicken. Bombs! Reasonable Ignorance Podcast, episode 82. 92782, what it do? Oh. <laughs> 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 Number 82. Number 82 would be the Hall of Famer to be tight end for the Dallas Cowboys, Jason Witt. Oh, my And shout out to Lil Wayne. Jason Witt, most consistent quarterback, tight end for the Ain't last 14 years. Ain't this what they've been waiting for? Um, you ready? Whose choice is this? Uh, uh. Meek Mill. I used to pray for times like this, to rhyme like this, so I had to grind like that, to shine like this. In a matter of time, I spent on some locked up shit in the back of the paddy wagon, cuffs locked on wrist. See my dreams unfold, nightmares come true. It was time to marry the game, and I said, yeah, I do. If you want it, you gotta see it with a clear eye view. Got shorty, she try and bless me like I said I'd chew Like a nigga sneeze, nigga please for them tricky squeeze I'm getting cream, never let them hoes get in between Or what we started, little nigga but I'm lying hearted They love me when I was stuck and they hated when I departed I go and get it regardless, draw it like I'm an artist No crawling, went straight to walking with foreigns In my garages or foreign bitches menaging Fucking sucking and swallowing anything for a dollar They tell me get him, I got him, got him I did it without an album. I did shit with Mariah. Little nigga, I'm on fire. Icy as a hockey ring, Philly nigga, I'm flyer. When I bought the Rolls Royce, they thought it was lease. Then I bought that new Ferrari, hey, the rest in peace. Jugs Bunny's choice, Britney's choice that right is there. my choice. Um, we to get to the TF part. Oh, no. They want to tell the studio shit. Are we sending a message with that? Um, no, that song just reminds me a lot of me and my best friend from Vegas. A message record. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to Arshana. A message record. 927, what it do? All right, I got it. That was Lil Wayne. Me with a message okay. record. All right, I got you. I got you. That's Lil Wayne's birthday? That's Lil Wayne's birthday. Hey. I watched the movie, the first part. Hey, hey, yeah. Sing along, Mike. I know you got a message. I know you got a message. I know you got a message. I you Why did you choose this song, Magic Mike? It's the first song the audition performed. They learned the routine to this, and that's what they performed, and they won off of 
before they did the Jackson Five and won the, the concert, the, the the record recording deal with him. Gotcha. And they actually didn't win that; they lost to the dudes, the other dudes. Did you see Doctor Freeze, the dude that pop lock and got it to the castle? Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag New Edition BT. Yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna run in the ground tonight. But you know, this show means that much to me tonight. I left on the second half of it, and Jamal picked me up, and I came on out. Yeah. And he yeah. was tripping like, man, what is you? What year is this, Magic Mike? 1988. You had to look it up? So, no. This is what's the significance of 88? 88, the, the, the year life was good. This song is in 1988, Alice. You, hey, love, guess what? What were you doing in 1988, Alice? Gibson. I don't remember. Damn. I do not remember. You know how I feel. And Moscato kicking in already. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I was, I was, I was when this song actually hit. I was 17. Wait, wait. She's bobbing her head. I wasn't even thought of. Saving for me. I'm coming home. Where's your lighter at, Mighty Whitey? Where's your lighter? Put your lighter in there. Well, I was in love with a young lady by the name of. Yeah, y'all would like to know. <laughs> For certain, she had the best vagina that ever had a leakage on it. It's that Bombs. same person. <laughs> yep. Virgo. Shout out to all the Virgos. Hold on. Let Ralph sing. He's singing to you, Jugs Bunny. I don't know what he's saying. Let it play again a little bit more. A little, a little more. Play it again. Come on, Whitey Mighty. Whitey Mighty. I, I think that's what I'm going to change it to. Whitey Mighty. Listen, listen to the lyrics of this Jugs Bunny. Hey, this is before the Catfish Show. When you had a relationship over the phone with a woman, <laughs> with a girl, <laughs> you've never seen her before, but you had a relationship Shout with her. And it was a girl, right? Right, right. Shout out. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Shout out to the big bro, D Smooth. He went back to the army, to the reserves, and he was coming home. And he really put me on the song. Let it ride, let it, let it ride. It's New Edition week. The whole black delegation is listening to New Edition, looking at New Edition. They number, they, they trending number one on Twitter, Facebook, social media, where they trending number one. Yeah. And Bobby Brown's number one. And my president is still my president. Can I get a Shout out to him. This is a true black American story there, Magic yeah. Mike. This, this is this became like real soundtrack. Like it's my favorite album ever. What is your heart? So this next to the song, it works to me in the end. What you been doing for 30 years? Trying to get back to the same place. I'm serious as a heart attack. You know how I many people they kill every day? <laughs> I'm serious. Is this what Johnny Gill was in the, in the, in the group? Yeah. Sing it! Needing you, wanting you. Steps, Mike's over here crying. 
talk to. Sugar, I know you know. Mighty Whitey, he go to part. This is the bridge of the song. Listen. Magic Mike is doing the steps right as you speak. The same shit you see on BET. Talk to him. You can see this on Instagram Live, on Jugs Bunny Instagram Live. On Snapchat. On Snapchat. You can fade it out now. You can fade it out now, mate. Mighty Whitey. He like that. Like that. He, he like it. it. Yeah. He was like Rosen back then. This here was this here made you go pay your ladies. Uh, Shout out to all bed. the my Virgo women with Fuego box. I'm in my phone. I'm still four eight twenty seven eighty four. Mighty Whitey gonna test some ass up tonight. He ain't heard a new edition song and shit. Um, new edition uh, has had. Black Twitter in a frenzy, uh, Magic Mike, this whole last, the last two days. It's a story that's been waiting to be told since 1987, 88. Yeah. Yeah, but it was writing itself since 78. So they really been in production for it for six years, but they had to find the money. And a lot of people are asking questions why they have so many commercials. The commercials are because they got kept the curse words in. So the sponsors pay for them to keep the curse words in. So when you see the replays of it, they won't have the curse words in. They, they won't. They won't have the curse words in. There won't be so many commercials. Well, I'm gonna watch that on the fire stick. Yeah, I heard the fire stick got the whole thing without the without the commercials and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a good movie. It's an interesting movie. It's our generation's uh, version of the Temptations yeah. and the Jacksons. Very That's true. why their name is the New Edition. Right. But they just didn't put the the on there, so it was New Edition, like the New Edition of. You know, I don't know Brittany, y'all, B2K. I don't know if they want to tell their story or not. Bombs! <laughs> not oh, man. I'm not sure. That was a dart. Everybody got to sign off on that. <laughs> I don't think Chris want to sign off on this part. I don't think, think Raz B either. No. It's, it's, it was some hugging and love and getting with the getting in. <laughs> right. uh, um, we got a special guest this week. Uh, this is... Somebody that we really need. We're gonna. We, you could be as open and honest. You can ask me anything. We're gonna ask. We. This is a therapist. Yes. And her name is Miss Alice Gibson. Alice Gibson, and she's of the African American descent and a delegation. That's, that's, that's like to say. And uh, we've been talking about therapists. For a while, haven't we, Jamal? About yeah, we we have. We um, Alice is a, is a uh, how long you been doing therapy for? Fifteen years. Mm. Fifteen years. Yes. Um, where'd you go to school? I graduated from Chicago State University. Okay. With an undergrad degree in psychology, and then I graduated from Roosevelt University, uh, with a master's degree in clinical and professional psychology. All right, well, that, that's, that's really what happened. I was going to say, Chicago so, State, you're not going to talk to me about no shit. Like, no, you, I'm just joking. You basically knew from onset when you grad, when you were in, in your first two years of, of college that you wanted to go in psychology, right? Or did you switch majors? I knew in high school that I wanted to do psychology. Really? Yes. 
What high school did you, did you attend? Collins High School on the west side. Yeah. Go Cobras. <laughs> yeah. What year? What year? 1982. Paul B. Paul B. Yeah, go Paul. Hey, Paul. But basketball. <laughs> like, like, like everything centers around in my life is basketball. Another like, basketball reference. Yeah. Basketball. It's now North Lawndale over there. That's yes. what they named to North Lawndale. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite familiar with Collins High School and the guys over there. See how she elevated her voice when she said, you know, uh, class, Paul 83, class 82. Paul Bean, yeah. Class 82. 83, they had a left hand guy graduate from over there, and his name was, damn, I, I know, Hondo Holland. Terry Hondo Holland. Did you know him? Steve Hondo. Steve Holland. Steve Hondo Holland. I don't left-handed. remember. They beat Simeon because I went to go see Benji and them play in Benji's. Sophomore year in the at uh UIC. Okay. And they, what he, year you graduated, Mike? Eighty eight. Everything was eighty eight. So you um, actually came out in of the year in nineteen eighty two. Yes. Okay. Um, where'd you go? The college? You went to Chicago State right after that, or? No, I really didn't go to college until I became an um an adult. I was I had two children when I started college. Okay. Not two, one. One. I was raising somebody. Child. Gotcha. Oh. Yeah. Um, They've been fast for a long time on the west side. Go ahead. <laughs> <Pops>. West side. <laughs> in that Garfield Park neighborhood, boy. So, being that you grew up on, where'd you grow up on the west side at? I grew up in the Austin community. Not far from here. Not far from here? Yes. It wasn't as violent. It wasn't? No. So you weren't a vice lord or a four-corner four hustler? No. It's not. It's not as. It wasn't as violent as it is today. Family members weren't were involved in, in it back then, or no? Or no, no, it wasn't like that on the west side. It wasn't. Oh, really good place to grow up. A really good place to grow up. Okay. Um. So speed fasting to, uh, your years at Chicago State. You knew you wanted to go into psychology. Yes. Um. With an emphasis in what? On on which one? A ch- child, adult. Family. Family. Yes. Okay. Um, why? Uh, because my philosophy is that you can't help children until you help the family. So if you have a child that's going through, that's struggling with mental health issues or some type of behavior issues, that is stem, may stem from uh, family dynamics. Like I was telling you earlier before, before the show, usually this show is, you know, this podcast is, it touches all topics where we talk, we talk serious about what's going on in, in pop culture, what's going on in politics world. Um, we put a comedic twist in it because Mike's a comedian. Okay. Um, so I deal with my pain. I laugh instead of crying. Um, no very true. Got, no black people have no boats. So I flood this whole goddamn city with my tears. Bombs! Oh, pain like that. Um. Talk about what's going on, and and from an urban twist and stuff like that. And it's usually a lot of language gets, you know, spilt out as far as, uh, you know, we talk we we use the the, the gay thing and you know the n word and all these kind of things like that. So, but ghetto terms that's not educated and is really the way we come up. Right. Um. We're still gonna we're gonna infuse that with the more seriousness of what we're gonna talk about here. So it won't be so to all the listeners, it won't be one of those episodes like last one, the last couple of ones and everything. But we are gonna talk about we're gonna be serious. We're not gonna be a hundred percent 
dark and serious about it, but we will be touching some nerves and and everything like that. Um, you know, with that being said, you're not gonna get me that fucking serious. I know, <laughs> no, I know, no, I'll never that. do that. Yeah. Um, don't nobody want to talk about how their uncle touched him on her ass, no. <laughs> Whoa. See, see, there we go. I'm, I'm bullshitting. So, That's a serious yeah. issue. See, yeah, you yeah. see this the look yeah. on her face right there? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. nigga, I'm not playing with yeah. you. I'm, I take this shit serious. With that being said, you knew you wanted to become a family. You wanted to go into family counseling. You can't treat the child without treating the whole family as a whole. Exactly. Um. What was the, the the whole premise of why? Why did you why do you care that much? I you could have went and been a, you could have went and did engineering, went to corporate America, did six figures, whatever. Um, I, you could have been a teacher. You could have been got a degree and, and went to go work for Ford or or whatever. Why family counseling? Why psychology? I lost my mom when I was eleven. Okay, she was uh, shot and killed. Okay. About a drive-by shooting. And um, then I lost my father five years later. So just to understand my siblings, our, my family dynamics, and some of the issues that we have stemming from grief and loss that we never, ever got to talk about. Where do you fall in birth order? I'm third to the oldest. How many kids are there? It's eight. eight two boys and Six girls. So seeing everybody under you, especially how they were dealing with it, being younger than you, because you were already young. Yes. Yeah, I get that. Wow. So just trying to understand that dynamic. Uh, and then also when I was in high school, um, I come from a background where hard work was valued. Yeah. Uh, in high school, we were sitting at the lunch table. Uh, our young ladies, we were all talking about what we're going to do when we grow up and Blah, blah, blah. And this young lady said, well, I'm going to be on welfare. My mama was on welfare. My grandma was on welfare. I just couldn't understand that. Yeah. They, they didn't understand the, the uh, breaking the cycle. I, I, I didn't understand her motivation, yeah. you know, not wanting to uh, rise above poverty. Do you agree or disagree with the fact that uh, black family Black families suffer a lot because of the black secrets, the dark secrets that are being held within the family, like the older members and, the, you know, uh, certain things happen. I agree. And and, and, and that great-grandmother will know, or that great-aunt will know, and, and then they'll, they'll suddenly talk about it, you know, in a, in a different way, you know, once once the deceased has gone, gone on. I agree. What goes on in this house better stay in this house. Yeah. That was the message. Yeah. And uh, some of the things that went on in the house were uh, dysfunctional. Yeah. Very dysfunctional. Yes. So that would, I mean, that, that, that leads to a child acting out in different ways once they become, come out of that house, you know, go into the public way and they, they deal with them in different ways, you know. You, well, the body is not meant to hold a lot of stress and a lot of anguish. So people, it comes out in different forms. So with children, it may come out in depression, such as irritability, where they go to school and they're irritable. They, it impacts their learning. Uh, they're fighting all the time. So our bodies are not hold to make hold secrets or to carry a lot uh, around stress and a lot of anguish. Yeah, I, I, I know Fight or flight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I noticed that when my when my uh when, once I got to high school, 
in Inglewood, a lot of my classmates, they didn't have working gas. They didn't have working lights or what have you. And they didn't, that was the last thing on their mind was about getting an education. They wanted to get something to eat. They was thinking about ways to survive. They was, they was, thinking, they was in survival mode at a younger age than I was. You know, they was more aggressive with their survival. They had to be. Yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't understand that until I started visiting their houses and, and, and going over there and coming out after 10 minutes smelling like a, a gang of kerosene or what have you, you know what I mean? <laughs> and could you? headache like a motherfucker like that. <laughs> no wonder you sleep all day. Your head hurt me. <laughs> Six hours of this fucking hours a night. But so. could you imagine a psychological impact? Yeah. And yeah. as adults, do you see them as adults, some of your friends from Inglewood? Yeah, yeah. And? Yeah, they, they self-medicated themselves until they form the addiction. Right. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I've seen that now in my later years. You know, they, when you're young, you be like, man, he fucked up. You know, you, you, you just think that. You know, that's that's just the, the the regular lingo. But until you understand what that person is going through, you know, you you, you the girl, the young girl who's pregnant as a sophomore with her with her, with a child, with the star football players not even speaking to her because that's his baby, but he's walking right past her. And not even acknowledging her, and he has another girl now. So this, you know, th- these are things I witnessed firsthand. And now that, and when they get grown, you know, when when when, as you conversate with people at like the reunions and whatnot, and you you see that this dude had eleven babies, for eleven different girls in the school, and that the oldest child had to get all the kids together, and you know, but the young ladies, they hold it against each other. I was like, no, y'all never hold it against each other. Y'all was going with him because y'all thought he was going to be something. But now he's had a stroke. He fucked up and twisted the mouth and he in a wheelchair. Now it's like the, the guys gravitate towards him and they feel sorry for him. I was like, man, he had a good life. He, we, we know he fucked 11 times. <laughs> 11 <laughs> now he's stressed his fucking self out because he, you know, it, it was on him too. You know what I mean? Cause exactly. It, 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 it was, it, it was, no matter what happens with a man, I believe this. When he has a child, even no matter what the situation is, if he's not even even as he's if he's not in that child's life, it still eats at him in so many ways. You know, it no I don't think no man just walks away from a child. Do you believe that's why so many men self medicate? Yeah. Okay. Well, do you think that has a lot to do with self-esteem issues? Yeah. Do you also think it has to do with uh, their life as a child, people walking away out of their lives? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I watched I watched that on, uh, what's that, Fix My Life, the young lady. The, the, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't say her name for nothing. You weren't going <laughs> to get me to fuck that name. But listen, she talked to Terrell Owens, Here. and his father grew up right across the street from him. I remember that, and and he couldn't even speak to him. He he, he talked to his father. He like, well, I used to see you over there playing ball, but I couldn't do nothing with to you because his mother was his father's his his father was married to his mother's best friend, so it was no acknowledgement. She was like, I can't tell her that this is his son. You know what I mean? This is his baby, and that's my best friend. So they just played it off. The dysfunction. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they were playing off the dysfunction. Yeah. And he suffered. Yeah. He doesn't have any money today. I and, mean, he's... and he and he did his kids like that too. And and, and there's some term they use, you know, some clinical term that they use for what about 
how you leave, how, how you keep it going, even after you don't know. Keep the cycle going. Yeah, and even though you don't know that cycle is a just part like, of you. Yeah. Just like my mother was on welfare, my grandmother's on welfare, yeah. so I'm going to be on welfare. I think you got to have a need to want better. I, I, and I think that need came with the, with the drug, the, the crack era. Like, it was young young guys that was hustling and they was making money and they was they was trumping their father and bringing his money home and making their mom look away from what they were really doing because it was making the situation at home better as far as the bills being paid and 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 new clothes and new cars and you know and the mother get caught you know she get caught up in the situation too because she's like well at least, at least little little bam bam is doing what you know he, he his daddy ain't do it so now he's the man in the house but he's 17, 18, you know, and his dad is, as my mom would say, going on down the road. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, do you see the dysfunctional dynamics in yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the child is taking on the role of the parent? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot. And then there, here come praise and, you know, I have a son. And uh, it's, it, it really is easy for a woman raising a son to get caught up in those dynamics yeah. where the son becomes the man of the house. And what happens I decided that if I raised my son the way I think I should raise him, I would change the dynamic of who he is, his innate behavior. I would make him into something that he shouldn't be right. and that he shouldn't be the man at the house. He should be a child. Yeah. yeah. I, I really felt that when I, when, when I, I would get too far, I'm thinking I was like when I started having a girlfriend consistently and one day we cut school and we was at the crib, my mother came home. She was like, she got to go. I was like, well, she got to go, girl, because we had been playing house all day. <laughs> and I felt like, you know, this is my woman. She's like, nigga, because I said so. She got to get the fuck up out of here. And she she gave me that embarrassing moment in front of my girl that made me know, like, ah, right, yeah, this still is my mother. You know what I mean? Right. And I see that totally different now at a younger age. Like, kids in seventh grade, they they say they're not going to school just, just because they don't, I don't want to go to that. Well, boundary issues. I, yeah. I, when my son was three, he used to play on Little League. Mm. And uh, we had, a, a after uh, the season was over, we had a, a dinner for the children. And these boys were three to six years old. And that's when I realized that I could not raise my son the way that I, I thought I was doing the right thing. It was filled with mothers and their sons on Little League. And every mother in that place, Sit your goddamn ass down. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You know, ra- raising your boys with such rage. Yeah. It it it, it changes who they are. Now they, they become so emotional. People talk now about how emotional these young men are. And uh and uh I hear a lot about oh, women are raising these punk ass boys. Yeah. But when you think about when you listen to mothers the way they were at that particular luncheon how they were talking to their three to six-year-olds. And I realized that I couldn't. And that, that's called shaping. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. kind of shaping that child into what you want him to be. And as a woman, you cannot shape that man-child. No. You have to let him be. And then that's why it's so important to have that man-child around adult males. Yeah. Because if we begin to shape them, we turn them, this, because their brains are still growing, yeah. we turn them into something they shouldn't be. Yeah. Your sidebar, there is yeah. a very 
relevant and great documentary on Netflix called The Mask We Live In that touches on all of that. Y'all should check it out. Yeah, I, I watched that. It is so good. Yeah. Yeah. The the um your emphasis with your practice is what? I work with uh children starting at age eight to adults and I major uh depression and anxiety in adults and behavior problems with children. And with children, I emphasize family therapy because I cannot help that child. If I work with the child, the child walk away happy when they go home and they go back to that same dysfunction. It's like a circle. Yeah. I have a question. He clean up the whole house and then his mama tell him, I'm so sick of you, I don't know what to do. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> All right. Go um, ahead, so did you say you only work with families you don't do individualized I do child? individuals I do individual with the child okay so but I also emphasize family okay so I'm I'm in social work that's my field and we have a lot of clients a lot of children who are in therapy most of them are a lot of them are younger than eight but you know as somebody else who also has a psychology background sometimes I think that having small children in therapy sometimes hurts as much as it helps. Would you agree? I completely agree. I had I was doing therapy. She was 14 when she came to me, but she had been in therapy since she was eight and completely misdiagnosed. She was on medication for bipolar. She was on medication for ADHD. She was on medication for psychosis. So uh, when I met her, her mom wanted to sit in session with me. And I was like, no, you cannot. I'm trying to build a relationship with your daughter. And her mom was so angry. And um, I hate therapists. I'm just forced to do this. I hate you guys. What happened was the, the young lady has Asperger disease. And Asperger fall under uh, autism spectrum. Right. right. And she had never been tested for Asperger. But she was on all this medication. And it came down to Asperger. They what? diagnose children with can so I, can much. Can I get that definition of it. Asperger? What is that? <laughs> Asperger. It's not it's... the ones you eat. No. Bombs! <laughs> That's <an> Asperger. <laughs> right. okay. Go for it. Asperger is it, it, a form of autism, but it's a higher functioning autism where there are poor social skills, uh, poor boundaries, uh, uh, a disconnect. They uh, if you brought if someone for, with Asperger came in and began to talk, it would the conversation would be so disconnect, and they don't know when to shut up or when not to. So in uh, poor eye contact. So when you you uh, it's difficult for uh, uh, children, uh, adolescent diagnosed with Asperger to make friends or even hold a conversation. Right. Lena's brothers is autistic and it's it's basically Asperger's too and yeah it's exactly what you were saying it's uh there's a disconnect between especially the filter of what's going on and, and what he's saying he doesn't realize exactly what he's saying may not be like uh okay to say out loud give an example uh, uh there's no filter in okay. what he's saying do you understand what i mean right. like, yeah say say you're somebody's house and they somebody's just deceased so uh-huh. Somebody was killed or something, and you bring your cousin over. They don't know nobody either. He shot that motherfucker up, huh? That's right. <laughs> yeah. He, he, yeah, he don't complete. know what the fuck to say. So you go, hey, hey, man, he's, let's go get some church's chicken. <laughs> just sit your gotcha. ass okay. down. Okay. Right. Give you some a, grease in your system. Leave you in the car. <laughs> it's a really emotional disconnect. 
I'm laughing at what the joke. Okay. <laughs> but it's funny. Not, it is. I'm not. I'm laughing at the joke. I'm not laughing at the at the condition. Okay. Right. Yeah, I just want to make sure I, the I, listener understands. It, it, we deal with so many of these people every day. Unfortunately, I'm not. I'm, I'm not a therapist, but I like to people watch, yeah. and I and I, and it's, it's, it takes me only a, a minute or a second because I'm an only child. I'm raised by elderly people, so when I went to school every day. That was my time to get with my people and have a good time because I was going home to two elderly ladies and my auntie. You know what I mean? My grandmother and, my, mm-hmm. and her cousin. So they was in their 70s and their 60s. And I have my auntie, she's 40. So you have a a, a kid that's in 6th, 7th, 8th grade, you know. There's no outlet for me. So when I get to school, this life's coming to action. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's time for me to have a good time. So now... As, as as I got older and I and I started to calm down and I seen it was a difference because that's that's where the the bullies come in and then it's like man you play too much you do this too much man now, now you got to get tougher so as you get up in age you start to figure things out so I started watching people so mm-hmm. being in a barbershop, you see this on the daily like I can read a person quickly when they come to the shop I I know when they really on they come in on some bullshit. Who wants a haircut? Who's crazy? Who who has the money in the gate? Like if you looking around and you asking how much is the haircut? How much is this line? How much is this? All this shit. I could just about say like, man, you don't have no fucking money. But I do you a favor. I just cut your hair because I think you need to look a little better, just to make you feel good about yourself. Don't think you got over on me. I did you a favor. That's all. you know what I'm saying. But that's just comes with years of doing it. You know what I mean? Yes. But just watching people and you know. It's, it's another form of therapy. It is. You, you know, it's, it's another another form of therapy. And I don't have no fucking degree, Brittany. Now, listen. I was just sitting here thinking, whatever Mike talking about don't make no damn sense. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. Like, it I just don't, I didn't want to play no silent make that much sense, Mike. But, Reggie, maybe I missed the part. you and that Kenny degree you have with the coloring paper on it. I want to I wanna ask her a question. Uh-huh. And Mike damn that made me forget my fucking question with all that rambling. just rambling. Just rambling. He always fucking rambling, but he the comedian. But anyway. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask about. I wanted to ask about. Uh, <laughs> do you do you uh, work primarily with African Americans, or do you? Uh, it's a wide spectrum of who you work with. I work with a wide wide spectrum. Since I started my own practice, it's been primarily African Americans, and African Americans are difficult to come and seek treatment. And when they do, they're difficult to retain. I spent a lot of time working with Hispanics. They love therapy. And Caucasians, they love therapy, but it's so difficult to retain African Americans in therapy. That's okay. What I, I'm glad you said oh, that. I was going to ask. Uh, Go for it. One, one more follow up question is uh, because I I deal with a lot of uh, psych patients because I'm a paramedic. So I was I wanted to ask you since you're a psychiatrist, it, do you know of any ways or any ideas that we can get rid of the stigma as far as therapy? Because I think that that's one of the uh, main problems in the black community is so many undiagnosed people just. L- wandering in the street or misdiagnosed people just you know lingering or wandering in the street do you do you have any ideas of how we can get rid of the stigma so more black people will feel more comfortable going to a psychiatrist or you know just getting uh help that they need church church mm. because we've been given the message that if we can't pray it away if we're going through something we have to trust god and can't no therapist or uh or psychologists or psychiatrists help us. We got to believe in God. Jesus. Jesus. But yeah. a lot of people feel that way about religion also. 
Because you can't really just pray for things or pray things away. I agree with you. I attend a New Life uh, Covenant Church, and we have that psych, uh, psychology, psychology counseling min- yes. ministry. Pastor Hannah. Pastor Hannah. Yeah. And then Pastor Hannah talks a lot about it, too. Also, some things you can't pray away. Pray away. You can't pray away something that you don't even know that's going on with you because some of the things are, that we do is in our subconscious. Like, why, if you're just walking down the street and all of a sudden you bust out and cry? You saw something that triggered something in your subconscious, and it might have been as a child. They say it's the Holy Ghost. And, and, and Obama, Nadi, I know your question wasn't for me, but I think that it's a bigger issue. I think that it's not really just us not wanting to go. It's a lack of education about it and the lack of resources. And for me personally, I stopped because of my insurance. Mm-hmm. And so... You think about black people. They poor as hell. Right. I'm we broke. can't afford it. We don't we don't know about it. And so I think it's it's much deeper than just us so not gotta, wanting to. You gotta trick them in there. You gotta tell them <laughs> line them up and tell them there's gonna be some Jordans in the foot locker. Then there's gonna be a big ass <laughs> therapy session. All these issues, you know, as far as you know, the mother cursing out a young child and you know, uh, like a kid feeling a kid feeling like they have to be an adult and blase blase. And none of that stuff is ever addressed later on they just become adults and they grow up with these problems without it being addressed so exactly but they grow up it's it's dysfunctional and then one of the things i wanted to address Brittany a question then i'm going to come back to you when uh, uh you said children shouldn't get therapy at such a young age when i did my internship my first she was three years old and she was psychotic she was psychotic but she was grossly mistreated by the school system because of her psychosis. So she couldn't get the help that she needed. How? Uh, At three years old? She was psychotic. Her mom was a, a, a abuse substance. Okay. So, you know, the brain is a wonderful thing, but it's also a, a double-edged sword. So at, at the age three, she started exhibiting psychotic behaviors. And and I'll give you a more specific example. The older lady, like the people I was raised me to see, was the devil was in her. My my client, <laughs> maybe about three or four years ago, when I was at the first agency I worked at, my client was five, and in therapy, and they mentioned to her therapist that she would always speak about these people in her head, and it was like all these different characters, and she would tell me about these these people in her head and. At one point, one of them died, and then there was a cat, and then the cat. So when you take that to a therapist, they're trying to put a diagnosis on this five-year-old little girl. Of, I don't remember what diagnosis they were trying to give her, but I just always felt like she's five. She has an imagination. She's thinking. She's, you know, daydreaming or whatever. If she creates, like, these characters in her head, to me, why is that, like, a mental diagnosis for have, a five-year-old? You have to think about why she's creating these characters. That's the question is not laboring, laboring, laboring her with a diagnosis, but why is she creating these imaginary characters? What is going on in her life and her world that she has to uh, escape from what she right. escape from get, reality? I get that. But my thing is at five, that is like, that's just what you do. Like you just have an imagination. You play even when, even, even if I play with dolls and I'm creating things in my head, and and from what she was saying, it didn't really seem like, and, and I wasn't the professional, so this is just my opinion, but 
it didn't really seem like anything striking to the point where it, to me, it just came across as a kid with an imagination, a kid with an eclectic personality. So that's what you thought. No, and I'm just like, I, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm agreeing with you. But on the others, in the other delegation, she's being creative. She has an imaginary friend. But they're going to tell her mother that she has a sickness and she needs uh, the, the, the pills or the medication or whatever. And her mother's going to accept that because she's she's miseducated. You know what I'm saying? Right. So she's getting a check now and, you know, all the little girl gets is six wings with extra lemon pepper on so <laughs> it. That's Brit. a little white girl, too. I agree with Britt, though, because a lot of young uh, black males are being medicated or overly medicated just because they don't sit up for 30 minutes straight in class and don't do nothing that they active and, you know, you know, may have an outburst or something. And like and they she just said, their brains them. are still growing. And then you want to give these psychotropic medications to these young kids. And to be honest, I'm not, I don't know if the medication makes you worse, but they normally have more than one diagnosis and are on more than one medication. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's not, I don't know. I'm not a, a big advocate for medication, no. but I understand exactly what you're saying. But it becomes a problem when it affects you educationally as a child. It, if it's affecting a child socially and educational-wise, then it becomes a problem. But so you, you have to look at the full spectrum, what's going on. What is this child doing at home? What is this child doing at school? How is this child engaging socially? You have to look at that whole picture. But when they're being diagnosed so young, say, for instance, if I'm a two-year-old and then by the time I'm four or five, I'm medicated, but and I'm medicated and now you're saying I'm not doing well educationally and socially, but nobody's making a link between the medication and my behavior. And so now that's just causing me to be on medication. Now I have IEP at school and now I'm just isolated from everybody. It's just It's a slippery slope. But but you know what? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Y'all been talking a lot. (laughs) Here we go. Let's keep all this here for me. Right. Socioeconomic status is linked to mental health. Am I correct? Exactly, yes. Um, People who are impoverished, homeless, and incarcerated have substance abuse problems are are at high risk for poor mental health. Exactly. Um... Negative stereotypes and attitudes of rejection. Exactly. Um, adverse consequences, historical and, co- and contemporary instances of negative treatment have led to mistrust of authorities, many of whom are seen as not having the best intentions or interests of blacks or African-Americans. Now, let me read this couple of more things right quick before everybody starts chiming in. Um, I'm going to read a couple of facts here of prevalence. Um, adult black African-Americans are 20% more likely to report serious psychological distress than adult whites. Is that you? Is that true? That's correct. Adult black Americans, African-Americans living below poverty are three, more time, three times more likely to report serious psychological distress than those living above poverty. I would say it's not reported with those living above poverty. I think if they reported more, you would see they would be just about the same. You really? had this, really, you had this actor who just killed himself on Facebook. Okay. He committed suicide on Facebook. You have more and more people with money killing themselves. I forget his name. It was a black dude. I can't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, he just, he, on Facebook live. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think if well, it's reported. Well, he wasn't reported, as popular as he wanted to be, so. I think if it's reported more. Still don't more, know his name. Because you, you find the one that's. <laughs> oh. 
you find the ones that's living below poverty yeah. uh, because of the homelessness, they're more likely to get arrested. Yeah. And they're more likely to uh, get diagnosed maybe in the prison system. Yeah, act a fucking fool. So you, because of that, you, you, they're reported at a high rate. But because the one that's live, ones that are living above poverty, they're not not getting arrested. They're not homeless, so it's not reported. But the suicide rate, like uh, for men, men period, uh, a depression is called dysthymic, dysthymia, and that's a depression. It's a mild depression, which could eventually turn into a major depression episode. And when it becomes a major depression episode, you might find suicide behind that. Yeah, I understand. I understand that. I told y'all like depression can fuck with me every now and then, but it never gets to that point because he. he why end with today? Because I never know what tomorrow's going to bring. You know what I'm saying? Like, life is n- no two days are the same. You might have scrambled eggs today. Tomorrow you might be scrambling to get some eggs. That's, that's, but some people have been going through stuff for so long. And for that's not their rationale. Yeah. When yeah. I, I understand. I'm, I'm just same, talking about me. I'm, just talking about, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. It, A lot of people I, not as mentally strong as you I, are. I understand. I, you look at Facebook. I don't think it's mentally strong. It goes down to coping skills. Yeah. Okay. So it comes down to coping skills because I, I believe that we all deal with issues in our lives, and it comes down to how I cope with something. You know, getting back to what we were talking about, when something happened to you as a child and as an adult, I, I, I have a full time job, and I see uh, people uh, sixty and over, and I met with this lady, and she had this picture of Obama, and she, she was a, 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 a. A Latina, mm-hmm. and she would bust out crying, and she said, "Oh, my depression is just really, really getting to me." And she would just bust out crying. I can't believe he's not the president. But as I began to talk to her, she was abandoned and rejected by her mother. Oh, okay. So uh, Obama leaving president, leaving as the president, she Felt understood abandoned. that his turn was over but it served as a form of uh, rejection and she didn't feel protected any longer because right. he's no longer president I had a question for you too um, last week we were talking about uh, parents and children um, how how uh, does it affect the child when the parent uh, vicariously lives through them especially from a, such a young age it, it was this uh, term it was I think it was in the 1950s or 60s, uh, schizophrenic moms make schizophrenic sons. So when you are projecting your, I'm going to say energy or what you're onto your children, they begin to emulate you. So if you are living vicariously through your child, you're exhibiting some type of dysfunction that child would exhibit that same dysfunction. Yep. So it'll just keep going down the line? It, it, will, it can perpetuate, but at some point, I, I, people are resilient. That's mm-hmm. my opinion. And I think children are resilient. Because at some point when you find children start resenting that mm-hmm. parent who's trying to live vicariously through them, at, at, as they begin to get older, there comes some resentment. Okay. Um, adult black Americans are more likely to have feelings of sadness, hopelessness, and worthlessness more than their adult whites. Look at the world we live in. 
Okay. I mean, we got so many reasons to. Go to and the family den on any night. We that, aren't that taught, taught to speak about it. Man. Like Mike was saying, yeah. we, we're taught to keep all of that stuff in. And when when you talk about your feelings, is is weak and people don't want to face their truth. So, Especially we, we, black males. What, what day is black today? Black people. What no, day is black today? males really can't exhibit emotion in our community. The, the 25th? Yeah. January 25th. Yeah. Notice at the end of the year, it was like, we're going to be this new person for 2017. Right. In the social media. Right. And how they change and like they start working out and they're not going to be doing this, they're not going to be doing that. You know what I mean? Right. 25 days in, over 78% of them people doing the same shit again. <laughs> like, they was Where like, are you getting these statistics from, Mike? 78%? Yeah, 78 you making that up? This nigga, yeah, man. Yeah, you made that yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, what, he's like he, he fact-checking with me right Sancho now. Sancho Source, man. Okay, I'm guaranteeing you. Like, I, well, go, on my fa- go on my Facebook page. <laughs> not <laughs> not you with all them. All your friends going to be dead in a minute anyway. They die like flies around this motherfucker. Damn. Kill those like those are not my friends. Yeah, only, yeah. One, only one friend that passed. Bro and them died. Bro fighting. This and that. Y'all, y'all claim each other too quickly. We like, I don't know that nigga. I knew he was going to die because he was on some bullshit all along. Pop it. Um, I'm not. I'm not talking about friends, but I'm saying like that's the era we was living in. Uh, like you, you knew who, who whose time was short. Oh yeah, who was sticking up the dope dealers? Who was doing certain things? You're absolutely right. But you all, y'all claim on to so much so quick, and that's another thing, another sign of needing therapy because it's some type of abandonment with you all's generation. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speech does not. No, I, I got him. Um, <laughs> I like to think before I talk. Mike. Well, I, I already think. In Unlike my head. some people, what is borderline personality? Mm. That's something I don't like to work with. Borderline personality is a disorder where people, where the person is not in control of their emotions. Their their emotions is completely dysregulated. Uh, they see things in black and white. Uh, they're very transient, and they create chaos. So Republicans. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'll find uh, borderline personality mainly in women. Mainly in women. Yes. And and, and your kids, because they're too emotional. Uh, they tried to they tried to give me a BPD diagnosis. A borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Why? Um, I don't want to get into all that, but I I I had three diagnoses. Major depressive, generalized anxiety, and then a BPD that I literally never filled the prescription for. Well, it's a lot of anxiety that comes with yeah. a borderline personality or disorder because the underlying issue of a borderline personality disorder is rejection. Uh, give you an example: my 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 sister had had this friend that I had to threaten to kill if she didn't leave her alone. <laughs> uh her mother rejected her as a child, and she would go from relationship to relationship, causing chaos. And everybody had a problem but her. Her emotions were all over the place. That's the anger. Uh, there's the seeing things in black and white. Either you're going to help me or you're not. No gray area. Uh, How old is she? She's now, she's about 48 now. Oh, yeah, she's out my range. I was like sitting on me for about two hours. <laughs> Oh no! She will run you straight up out of here. I straighten out. That sounds like more and more black women is becoming more and more prevalent with this black and white. Either you gonna help me or not, and their emotions are all over the, just everywhere. 
Well, I wouldn't diagnose them all as borderline personality disorder. Oh, no, I'm disorder. not diagnosing. I'm just saying it, it seems uh, to more people are exhibiting these characteristics. But there's also a histrionic personality disorder as well that kind of have some of the um, symptoms of a borderline personality dis- disorder. Uh, but the histrionic personality, uh, I'll give you a good example. The lady that's on Facebook with the uh, that's uh, twerking with yeah. everything hanging yeah. out. My favorite. It ha- has to be seen, has to get all the likes. Yeah. And, uh, but if you reject her, then it's on. And that with borderline personality disorder, the underlying issue is rejection. Okay, but all right. See that, Reggie? You thought she just wanted to fuck, didn't you? <laughs> Boss! She wanted to get a light. She got a borderline disorder. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that you can have mental disabilities. Yeah. yeah. Who's, who's normal? What is normal? What is normal? I don't know. We all have our issues. We all but have issues? Everything comes down to our coping skills and support. And yeah, that's what I was going to say resources. Okay. That's what black people are always talking about. Support, support. So you're saying with the borderline personality, it's black and white. No gray area. Um, either this or that. Exactly. Interesting. Um, I think I've dealt with that kind of person before. Um, uh, what? How? What's the percentage? Mighty. Of no people. Just, just, just have this. Mighty Whitey just cut the black man off. The percentage of people who have borderline personality <laughs> yeah. disorder, that percentage, percentage, I don't know. I know the percentage of Americans, adult Americans, with mental illnesses and sometimes uh, with borderline personality because of the symptoms they possess, like generalized anxiety disorder, even depression, can constitute a borderline personality disorder. Okay. I got a text message tonight. I had uh, sent a picture to a certain family member. And the family members texted me back, this is a picture of when you loved me at at a certain point in time. Um, And these, these kind of messages I get all the time from her. Family member? Yeah. Family member. Um. So what kind of pictures are they sending? I mean, I, I sent her a picture of, of my son and myself. I mean, I'm quite sure you all can allude to what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway, um, and she sent me back. Um, you know, this is what this is a, a this is. I remember that smile. This is when you loved me at one time. Would you consider that person in that borderline personality? I don't know. I need more information. Yeah, she she needs she needs some time with you. Like the person that, who gave you the answer, you need to you need to give her that time that she's missing because obviously she see. I that. can't. I, I, I it's 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 hard. Yeah, I'm being honest with you. It's hard. It's my mother. Yeah. Okay. It's hard. Now, um, I grew up without a father. Um, she chased him away or. They had their issues and, and everything, period, um, as a child. So the thing about it is, uh, and I'm putting myself out here like right, right now. I ain't got no problem with that. Um, grew up without a father. I knew who he was. I did spend time with him you know, on, on occasions and stuff like that. 
I take that more, take that back. Morning in the cages. I did spend time, but he wasn't in the household like I am in the household with my my children now. Um, she would always talk bad about him. Um, therefore, it would le- it would leave a negative connotation with me with him and our interactions were. Some days it was good. Some most some days it was conflict, especially when I got older. Um, he died in 2010. I was there on his deathbed. I took care of all his responsibilities. He couldn't talk back because he was going through heart failure and everything. So I, I guess I made peace with him then. Being that I'm raising a son now, there's a conflict. It's somewhat of a conflict now. To I would say, because I didn't have a child, I didn't have a father raising me. So sometimes I feel like you know, am I doing the right thing as a father? You understand what I'm saying? I understand exactly what you're saying. She was not very uh, proactive in forging a better relationship with my father. There was always negative words, negative things to come out about him. She also had a a very, um, she was not family oriented, if you understand what I'm saying. Exactly. Didn't like to go to family functions. Didn't like to interact with people. Um, chase, in my opinion, chase friends away. Everybody had a problem but her. Okay. Um, I'm I'm a very outgoing person. I gravitated towards my grandmother. We have a, we had we had a tight relationship since I was a child, adult, teenager, college, young adult. Up until um, September, she passed away. I felt like I got my personality and everything from her. Um, With that being said, it's very hard for me now to try to, because of the relationship that that me and my mother have, have had in the past, it's not, um, it's not this. And I'm putting my hands together so to the listeners so you can understand what I'm saying. It's not one of those it's 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 hard. Okay. Because of the whole me seeing her not come to family functions, not, you know, being interactive with family members. She's she always says, I'm a loner. Like I've tried to encourage her now to to uh um I try to encourage her now to find friends to, you know, who to, you know, go out with and be with she likes to be a loner and everything. Um, but she told me when I was 18 that when I went away to school that life was going to change between the two of us. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take, I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm looking at things. I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting that personality from her. Being a loner. Yeah. Sometimes. I can see this very, this is very challenging for you. Yeah. It, 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 it's a, it's, it's a little challenging. I will say that. I mean, I mean it's, it's challenging. I mean, the thing about it is I don't want to, I'm not a loner. I wouldn't say that at all. I have my times where I want my isolation time, of course. Right. But it, it's kind of hard for me to be a loner and, and everything. But, I, you know, I got a wife and kids and and a, a frat and all, all these other responsibilities and music business and podcast business and, and everything like that. Um, But as far as the relationship status, 
it's hard for me to establish a relationship with her. Like it's okay for me to, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Do you feel where I'm coming from a loop? You are, I hope I'm not rambling or. No, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. You're, you're conflictual at this point. When I was conflictual to- when my grandmother was alive. My grandmother. No, about the relationship with your mom. We're going to fo- stay right. on that. Okay. About your, do you, she's not the person who you thought she was when you were growing up? When, she, when I was growing up, I mean, I knew what kind of person she was. Angry? Yeah. You think she was angry because of being abandoned? What What was her relationship like with her dad? Wasn't anyone. It wasn't one. She later revealed to me that um he wasn't she wasn't her his first choice. Now we're talking about in the fifties. So what was the relationship with her mother? How did her mother talk about her dad to her? I don't know. They didn't have a good relationship either. The only time what I'm hearing that from what I heard was the relationship for them didn't come as cl- together like real close and cool until 1974 when I was born. Okay. So that the the relationship stemmed from somewhere. So I'm going to stop it at your grandmother because she got her cues from her mother. Okay. And how she interacted with men came from her mother. So there had to be some level of anger with her mother that trickled down to her. So here she is with a child in abandon. So how do you think she's going to react to that? She's she's going to react in anger. Okay. Because she don't know how to do anything else. She, but, to re, but to react in anger? Exactly. I, I, I'm a single parent. I have a son. You know, I have a 22-year-old. Right. And um, he just, I, I, his father took me to court because my son had graduated. He didn't want to pay child support anymore. One of the things I never do, I never, I never talk bad about his dad. So my son went to court with me, you know, to see him. And he walked up to him. He shook his hand, gave him a hug. Uh, and then the only thing that came out of his mouth was, you raised a very responsible, caring young man. One of the things, I was not angry. I was initially angry. And anger comes out in different forms. You can bad mouth or... When I look at anger, I look at anger as a break from reality. So when you begin to bad mouth and act out, it it, it comes to it, it. Your your child picked up pick up on those behaviors, and then when you're talking about another parent negatively, you're the only person that child knows. So you, you must be right. He must be a bad man because you the I know you, and I don't know him. And you're telling me this about him, so you got to be right. Because okay. I don't know him, but I know you. Okay. So because I know you and I trust you, then you got to be right. And I, I think it's wrong. Okay. And it's damaging because you're not just, you, the relationship between you and that person is damaged, but you're damaging that child. You're damaging that child's ability to reach out and to gain support from that other parent or to build a relationship because it's never too late to build relationships but you have damaged even that child's ability to relate to their own uh, other men in their lives Uh, like you said your son you want to make sure you're doing it right so 
you have damaged that child in so many ways and on so many levels that it's difficult for them to reach out to other men in their lives. Hmm. Okay. And I mean, I didn't have, um, I had one other, I had one, two other males in my life, which was, my, that I saw in the regular, which was my uncle, but my uncle was, was, was a heroin addict. So I saw the negative and I saw the, I saw the negative through him, but I saw what not to do through him also, what not, which route not to go also. And, and, and then my grandmother took me on as the third child. If you understand what I'm saying. I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, she took me on as a third child. So I would not, you know, I would, her main thing was for me to grow up to be somebody. Um, but I was not her physical, you know, I wasn't, one, I wasn't the brother and sister. That was that. They didn't get along either. Um, so it was, it, it, it's, it's, it, it, being around her is, is, is difficult. Because the, we could have a, a dinner conversation. I could take her out to dinner, and then she will just flip on me with a conversation, flip on me with some kind of negative uh, talk. And it just, that bothers me and sets me off. Do you talk to her about it? I have. I have. Like We can have a great conversation. We can talk about what's going on, uh, talk about what's happening with the world and everything. She'll re- make a, ref- a negative reference back. I'm just like one of those people that does not like negative energy at all. You know, I try not to whatsoever. Like, you know, we might joke. When I say call you Mighty Whitey, you know, I'm joking about that. As much I have a lot of great respect for you. You know that. I'm talking to Kyle Reese here. Yeah, I know. So I, I just know, I w- always want you to know that. But the thing about it is um, she'll, have, she'll take the conversation Negative, and I have to ch- have to you know self I have to self check myself from getting angry. Then I have to tell her, look, stop. Let's not do that. Let's continue having a great positive conversation. We're enjoying dinner, you know. Period. Um. So I mean, I, I I didn't know what I was dealing with. I didn't know anything about borderline personality. Nothing. I mean, the only thing I think about with, with black people, I you know, I thought she was bipolar. I thought all black, you know, a certain amount of black people were bipolar. So, I mean, there's a difference between borderline, bipolar, ADHD. That's what I need to know. It's a difference, and I think a lot of people are uh, misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder. Bipolar disorder, uh, you're up and then you're down. Okay. There's a, a manic stage. A true bipolar, you... They're out. They have an absorbent amount of energy. They're delusional at times because of what they think they are. Excessive spending, excessive sex, excessive everything. And then when they're down, they can't get out of bed. But not to be confused with just normal emotions. Exactly. People like to say, like like if I'm happy right now and then later I just get a little sad or my mood shifts, people like to say... Oh, you're bipolar, which is totally different. Me just experiencing different emotions is different than actual true bipolar disorder. Emotions are transient. You know, I could be laughing and joking one minute, then I could have this thought, and it, it, could, it could change my mood because emotions are extreme, are transient. They change with the wind. Uh, but ADHD, hyperactivity, impulsivity, ADHD, I'm just throwing out some symptoms. Bipolar disorder, 
manic state. ODD. For them kids, oppositional I'll, defiant. I'll defiant disorder. I'm not going to do what you say. Yeah. But you have to... Th- kids get labeled with everything. Especially that is a huge... Because uh, they can go to school and if they're not doing what the teacher tell them to do, now all of a sudden they, they have an oppositional defiant disorder. Um, depression, sad, hopelessness, uh, feeling of worthlessness, you know, low self-esteem, depression, suicidal thoughts. So every diagnosis... Have has different symptoms. I was talking to him. Talking, oh. Mighty, Mighty really wants to talk, but hold on, Mighty. Okay. So, but borderline personality disorder, you cannot diagnose the disorder. You diagnose the symptoms. The symptoms. Because they come with a set of symptoms. They come with a person who's borderline personality disorder because their emotions are not regulated. There is the depression. And then when they feel like someone is rejecting them, there's the anxiety. Okay. And then when they feel like uh, they can't get or not being heard, there's the anger. And then there's the, the black and white. So personality disorders are very hard to diagnose. Does, that get, does, that get, does the borderline get treated with, with uh, medication? The mm-hmm. symptoms, not the personality. This, okay, symptoms. The symptoms. Because when a borderline comes to see you, they're coming to see you because they're depressed or they have anxiety. Interesting. They're not coming to see you because they're borderline. But as you begin to build a relationship with them, then you start seeing the personality. Now you know that they're borderline. And and that was the reason why I never truly accepted like that when they told me because I went back. I was already um, on two different medications for major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety. And when I went back, now they're trying to throw something else at me, give me something else. I just wasn't having it. I felt like it's not me, it's these medications. I felt like the my medications were making me worse. I just stopped taking them myself. I'm so, not what, a, so, so what was happening that night? You called dude all them times and then you drove Nothing to was happening that night. <laughs> what, what medication was you on that night? God damn it. I, listen, I, I've been, uh, I've been <laughs> discontinued. I've been discontinued off my medicine for like uh, You said you two called years. somebody 75 times. That's just regular me. Yeah. Then what? what uh, that, that's, listen, that's like compared to the stuff that I used to go through in relationships when I was younger. Like just calling somebody 75 times, that is totally different than me when I was 18 hitting my boyfriend's mom with my car. Oh, You, you should like, be in listen. jail. She should be in jail. The truth comes out further I told y'all on this, this episode. Before, but, but that's what I'm nah, saying. Nah, like, I, I ain't heard that one. We we didn't, that's, that's, a, that's a new one, my nigga. What did you do that for? She, she jumped in front of my car. She tried to stop me. I wasn't stopping. I was already driving. Right. No break. Okay. I mean, I, I was like pulling out of a driveway. Right. I was... It was a fight, and yeah. I was fleeing right, the fight. Right, okay, yeah, okay. I was fleeing the fight. She jumped in front of my car. We just kept it moving. Did you, did you hear the boo boo? No, I didn't like go over. Oh, no, it was, was she okay? It was, like, yeah, she was fine, but like that lady was like cracked out. She was like already a crackhead. I mean, uh, you can't just run over crackheads, Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> just because they crackheads. You can't just jump in traffic. <laughs> just because she a crackhead. Crack you can run over. Crack no, she head probably didn't she feel a crackhead. <laughs> oh, oh my god. She <laughs> probably didn't. But what I'm saying, I, I used to go through a lot of like episodes um, where. I would feel like it wasn't even me. Like I do, I will do things or even say things. My words are my my biggest like downfall because I I hit you where it hurts every time. Piercing. 
But it's almost Her. crazy. It's crazy because like I'll do it and instantly like I'll have like a like a snap out of it. Like what just possessed? No, that's me. That's me. That's that. me. That, like I, I could do that. But I know I'll I ain't crazy. Through, I'll go through these angry fits and then afterwards I feel like what was like I will literally feel like it is not me. Like it's something else that kind of just like jumps into me. I don't know. It a was break weird. from reality. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Would you agree that hurt people want to see other people hurt? Of course. I would. You would what? I, I agree would that, that they want to see they other don't people want hurt, other they, people to hurt, but they want other people to see that they're hurting. So in order to show you that I'm hurting, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna hurt you. No, I think I, that I hurt people hurt others unintentionally yeah. a lot of times, too. Yeah. Right, because you got to get those emotions out somehow. So if you didn't hit me and you just said something to me, so I have to say something to you that's going to hurt you even more. Okay. Well, most most people that do that, they probably take it in so much hurt anyway. Yeah. So now I'm not going to. Like when I was younger, I used to like absorb a lot of hurt because I hate to see people hurting. I mean, I really used to hate to see people hurting. I would cry if I saw a dog on a cat, and I can't stand animals. But I would just cry at a movie. I just cry because I really hurt because I was hurt myself by the death of my parents. So I understand yeah, the I depth understand of hurting. So I would go out my way not to hurt people's feelings right. because I hate to see people hurt. But when people find that out about you, yeah. they seem to like Use okay, it as, 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 yeah. that's the one, and then you get tired of that. So now you don't have a problem with it. Okay, scenario number two. Um, one of my fellow podcasters um, was talking about relating to his son mm-hmm. and knowing that his son is getting older and getting you know up in age and and also um, putting him or rearing him and 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 having that talk with him about life but knowing what he went through himself growing up whether some things were right or wrong or period um and he had one of those moments like you know I can't believe I'm having this talk with him at a, this talk with him period what does that say you have to give me the dynamics of the talk I don't know the dynamics of that talk. Was, I was, was, but was he it, just, was he it just, the sexual talk? Or was it the be careful what you're doing? And I mean, I think he just, he just had one of those moments like I got a son and my son is getting old. My, my son is getting older. Um, my son is getting older and, and, and my son is, 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 you know, becoming, this is my little man. And now, it's, you know, he's becoming more than just my little man. You know he's going to be growing, growing up. I want to tie it into this other, this other question that I that I uh, I saw, and everything. Guy asked, also, I want couple with that. Take that that premise okay, right the, there. The, uh, uh, the conversation with your son. Right. Um. Guy asked something to the fact that um, um, what the, being that he didn't grow up with a father, and your emphasis is, is to work with the black man. Am I correct? Exactly. How does a how does a man raise who how does a man raise a son when he himself was raised by a woman, and how does he know he is doing it right? That's a question that was asked. 
Um, that was a question that was asked on on a forum. That's a good question. That is a good question. One of the things. Now I know that you you're not a man. I'm not a man, and I won't pretend to be a man. And then I did not raise my son like I was a man and a woman. Okay. One of the things I I, I know notice about children, they they don't like change. They like stability. So if you give a child stability and you give them what they need, they need love. They need uh, a, a parent in their life that's not changing with the wind. They need to come home. They need to feel accepted. They need unconditional positive regards despite, of the, despite their shortcomings. You know, my son told me, I'm not like you. I'm not going to get a, A's and A's and B's. I'm going to get C's and D's. You either accept me as I am or I don't know what to tell you. So it's just me accepting him. I'm like, if you want to be uh, getting C's and D's, it's up to you. You choosing your lifestyle, not me. So just that stability and that love and that unconditional positive regards. The goal is to make them a good person. Okay. A good person. So you have to raise them according to your values. What values do you have as a man growing up without a father? I know uh, your relationship with your mom was challenging, but what values did you get out of that relationship that you can carry those values over to the relationship with your son? Okay. And to the community, because the community is is where you're going to raise his his son at. So his peers are going to be looking towards him and you, and they're gonna they're gonna see that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I see that daily. You know what I mean? Because we come from the same situation. You know what I mean? Right. So when you see, it, it's it's certain things you don't want your mother to go through because you see others mothers go through it. You know what I mean? You don't. I I never wanted my mother's to uh, go down to the morgue and to, to the county morgue and identify my right. body or yeah. help me out of jail or things like that because I've seen other peers' mothers go through the same situation and it would, you know, tear them down and and it's like, you, you watch, watch that kid that comes home from jail or the penitentiary and watch how he, he changes his conversation for a short period of time mm-hmm. before he starts to repeat back the to same cycle yes. that he was doing because of, at one point in time, he's feeling bad for what he did to his family. And then he kept his amnesia because he forgets the way he was feeling when he was in the penitentiary. Exactly. And he was locked up. Mm-hmm. And he starts to repeat the cycle all over again. And, you know, uh, as a wise old man told me one time, he said, uh, you, when you out here bullshitting, you get lucky to go to jail twice. Okay. Other words, you you, you get you going to the ground. Exactly. Go go six feet deep. You know, and you only get to do that once. Right. You know what I mean? So you go to jail twice, you get lucky. So, you know, it's it's, it's different situations. You know, you gotta you gotta it's it's a respect factor out here with the parents who are raising these. Young men, young women, young women are going to clash with their mothers. At a, and with and as and, and and I'm asking you and Brittany, would you agree with this? Once a young lady becomes a young lady and she re- reaches a cycle, I have no experience in that area. Because you have young boys. Well, but, um, I lost my mother when I was 11. Okay, all right, but did, did you know? Have you ever seen noticed that with the with the any of your patients? 
I, I noticed that uh, when I see a mother and a daughter, yeah, when the mother is angry and exhibiting certain behaviors, okay. that daughter emulates that. And, and for some reason, the daughter's behavior is much worse than the mother's behavior. More spunk. Yeah. More, oh, more yeah. energy to it. Yeah. More, it's, it's the youthfulness yes. in it and the negative energy being transferred through all that energy that she has. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. it, 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 and they're it, both exactly the alike. Yeah. But they don't see it. Yeah. And and I see it with, with my daughter. Like, she can catch her attitude and roll her eyes and have a fit. Like, we was at her prom. She was taking pictures. And she got upset because so many pictures, people were talking about, turn this way, take the picture here, take this. She was like, oh, y'all so irritating. I was just like. She was probably feeling some anxiety. This is about you. But they don't, you know, she was like, I ain't like you. This and that. I was like, okay, I had to step back. She was probably feeling some anxiety. You go to prom with a black eye. Jamal, getting back to your question. Is, (laughs) is. You how what what would you like to see your son? How would you like to see him as a young man? What would you like to see him? And that's how you kind of geared, kind of help him to get to the where he needs to be. He why, just needs support. Why is your emphasis on black men? I have two brothers, and um, my oldest brother uh, abused substance from fifteen to thirty. And a lot of it had to do with the death of my mom because he was really close to my mother. Okay. And uh, my father, he never got along with my father. Um, and then I had a younger brother who had abandonment issues and couldn't connect with uh, with anybody. He couldn't connect in any relationship because of abandonment issues. You know, he was this uh, four-year-old when my mom died. Then he was nine when my dad died. So he could never make those connections. And then just my own relationships with black men. Uh, I used to internalize it as something about myself, not realizing that there were everybody come with their own experience. And then when you look at the dynamics of people experience, uh, we have some issues. And the emphasis on black men is because black men will not come talk to you for nothing. They won't come. They will internalize. And it comes out in different areas of their lives. Translation like what? True. True. Substance abuse. If you go, I used to be a behavioral health director at a a residential facility for adults, Lydia Healthcare. Filled with black men. Just filled with young as young as 18. And a lot of them were self-medicating. And some people cannot abuse substance and think it's going to be okay. And they start having psychotic episodes. But then when you start looking at the family family dynamics, the mother extremely passive, uh, uh, protective over the son. It's like they don't have the ability to be autonomous, make their own make their own decisions to find their own way. Um, I, I've seen situations where eighteen year old the dad brought the eighteen year old in, and the eighteen year old was angry. That dad was so afraid of that eighteen year old. And those type of dynamics. The dad was afraid of the 18-year-old. If you heard the way that 18-year-old cursed, you'd be afraid of him, too. But where did the 18-year-old get 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 the the, the idea of the, the curse like that? From the mother? He was great. I would say that his family was binuclear. 
the mom and dad wasn't together, but they were trying to rape him. But he, he was angry. And it was not so much at his dad. That's just how he related to people. Through anger and upon talk, speaking with him, he dealt with a lot of rejection. He dealt with a lot of hurt, not so much from his dad, but from his mom because his uh, mom was a, a a substance abuser. Okay. And then from his brothers and sisters and from his aunts and his uncles. So I would say his dad was the supporter in his life. Okay. But he was so angry because of the rejection, and he took all that anger out on his dad. And not only did he take it out on his dad, he would beat up an old man. It was a lot of old people in that facility, too, with mental illness. But he would beat them down so bad, and he would just jump on women. He was so angry and enraged. As it, did he ever cross that line with you? No. The first time I met him, I heard him talk to his dad, and I just sat there. And I just said, young man, I don't feel comfortable with you talking to your dad like that. And I asked his dad to leave. And when I said, I don't feel comfortable with you talking to your dad like that, he shut down. What delegation? I have boundaries for people, and I set limits with people. I'm saying, was he black, white? Black. Okay. He was black. Most of the people at Lydia were black men. A lot of black young men. Okay. Bob and No, I just, I I got a two-part question. Uh, the first part of a question is I wanted to know how you felt about uh, discipline, like spankings as a professional and in uh, as a parent. How do you feel about spankings? And the second part of my question is, do you have any methods outside of therapy where a person could uh, have better coping methods to deal with depression or stress if they don't want to, you know, seek therapy? Because, you know, it might be somebody listening. That might need that might not want to go to a therapist, but they would listen to any suggestions that you have as far as outside of clinical. Well, as a parent, I do believe in opening up a can of whoop ass. Because sometimes you just got, you know, you got to. I'm on your side. I'm sorry. You got to. I'm on your side. But as a therapist, there's a, a line between that. If, if you constantly spanking and hitting and jerking and there's no learning and then it's counterproductive. Too much of anything is not good fear. for a person. Exactly. And it, it, Anger. Breaks, it breaks the relationship that, between parent and child. Makes the child go into a shell. It breaks the will, the child's will. Because, I, listen, I was terrible. Some children need more fear, though. You never got no whoopers, though, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm always being said, honest. nigga, what? I thought you said you never got no whoopers. Who told, more, no, I never no. told you that. Most me and my mama was like Monique feel. and Gabourey Sidibe. Yeah. Me and my mama threw the hands. About the whooping? Yeah. It can break fight? a child's will. They can start internalizing and anger, go to school, act out at school, fight at school. So you're looking at all those dynamics. So you have to know when and how. And also as a parent, you think the crime, the punishment has to fit the crime. Exactly. So if I... I felt like that. Okay? I felt like that, but I wasn't... A, I didn't. I didn't mean to cut you out, but no, I, right. I, 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 I felt like that about the whoopings were, they were intense. Even though I did some things wrong, they were intense, and I didn't. When I went to school, I did act out, but it wasn't. It wasn't more than a class clown situation. Not. It wasn't any fighting or anything like that. Any period. Do you see that correlation happening? And that could be shame and guilt. So in order to feel good about myself, I'm going to tell jokes. 
or I'm going to act out, people are going to notice me. You know, it's me. That's just I'm hiding myself. I'm guarded. You know what I did? You got a talent. I acted out with like with school. I over exceeded in everything because I wanted like attention. Like, oh, I, Educa- I got all these educationally. Things. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes, but it was never because I'm also smart. Because when people see my grades or see my test scores or compliment me and say I'm smart, and maybe I am, but I never accepted that compliment because I don't feel as smart as my grades would suggest. Like, I'm not smart. I just I just would do it because I wanted the recognition yeah. because so, I wasn't getting it. So were you it. ever the young lady that got to take names when the teacher went out the room? Always. Like, Brittany, take names. Always, yes. And I would have been I like, Brittany, write my always. name down first. Michael Walk going to talk. <laughs> Might as well get that shit out <laughs> to work. This bitch is going to go outside and talk. I'm going to talk, too. Fuck that. We finna be in an uproar when she come back in here. Back to you, Bob. Go ahead. The are second you part. done with the uh, discipline part? I was just asking because about the discipline part because for one I see a lot of women struggling with kids just doing whatever the fuck they want to do without listening to their parents so that's why I said that some fear to me is necessary because if they if they don't fear you at all then they're going to do whatever the fuck they want and the and the sec no I'm I'm not saying this okay, as a, I'm, gonna I'm not saying this that. as a diagnosis okay. I'm just saying uh, no. my observation and another thing is because I discipline my son and I see it has positive effects in comparison to my brothers who don't discipline their child and they running around and doing whatever. And um, that's why I was asking as far as uh, the discipline goes. So when you're disciplining a child, do you just discipline them and send them on their way or do you talk to them about the behavior? All the time. I, I, and I the make consequences sure that... of the behavior. Absolutely. So that's important. Then obviously your child understands boundaries and limits. So that's not being communicated with your brother, children. There's no boundaries and there's no limits and there's no rules. One of the ways that I, my son, we had rules, house rules. And house rules, your goal was to follow the house rules. If you didn't follow the house rules, you got a consequence. Right. Whether it was a spanking or you get something taken away or you can't go outside, there are rules. When you go in life, there are rules. Yeah. There are, there are rules, and you got to follow the rules. And that's where you learn rules in the home. And you go to school, you're socialized to rules. So if they don't learn, learn rules, they're going to go out here, and Lord knows what's going to happen to them. In life and death, there are rules. In death, the rule is just lay down. Right. And I was so bombs. <laughs> I wanted you to just speak on the, on the, uh, the uh, non, non-clinical treatments. I don't mean uh, uh, coping things I that people could do. When people are uh, feeling depressed, Support, support. As a therapist, I don't look at myself as uh, uh, someone there that you could just, you know, someone you could talk to to help you give you help you with coping skills. I look at as myself as support. So you have to talk to somebody. You can't be afraid. You can't. And we're so good at masking our emotions so people don't see who we are. They don't see our pain. They don't see our fears. They don't see when we're afraid. But just support somebody that you can talk to. And then also listen. Because I uh, I get women in therapy that comes through employee assistant program. They have cussed their balls out. They didn't call them every name under them. And they have to go, they have to get therapy before they can, before they can go back to work. And one of the things they don't have, they don't have anybody that they can talk to, a sounding board, or anyone to, if if I'm talking to you, I'm not going to always agree with you. When I see that you just being stupid, that that 
I'm going to say, do you think that was a good decision? Even if we're just having a conversation, I'm going to help you to see yourself. So we have to be honest with one another when we talk to one another. And so if you don't want to seek therapy, at least have somebody to be supportive that you can talk to who will be honest with you. I have to be honest, man. You're really easy to talk to. Yeah. I know. That's what people keep telling me. When I go to work sometimes, my coworkers, I do a lot of training. And then my coworkers, they look at me and they say, Alice, you look like somebody I could trust. And I go, I'm a businesswoman. Yeah. What's uh, a, so uh, you listen, you, when you, you listen you, more when do, than anything. When do you turn the psychologist on and when you when do you turn the psychologist off? You can't. I, I, I only turn it on when I'm in a session. Yeah. I don't remember what we talked about until I see your face. Yeah, when them fees go up. No, when, <laughs> I, when I see your face, and then I remember what we talked about. And when you leave my office, I forget what we talked about. Okay, but have, oh. go ahead, go ahead, Bugs. Bugs? Jugs. Jugs. Say Jugs. <laughs> okay, so my question is, there, there is supposedly this client confidentiality right exactly but but we know that it's no 100 percent confidentiality because some things you have to report yeah so so what do you think can be done and i'm going to be totally transparent because i know I, i'm in a good space now but when i was younger especially and then when i was in therapy i found it really hard to be honest with my therapist about suicidal thoughts about homicidal thoughts because i know that they have to report that to somebody else and so for people who don't find a way to cope and to deal with it themselves and who just go out when it could have maybe been prevented if they felt more comfortable bringing it up, do you think that there's anything that could be done to just make things a little bit more confidential or, you know? I, I agree with that. But you have to communicate that. And I always communicate that in my first session. One of the things I do in my first session, you get to know me and you get to know that I listen and you feel comfortable. I make you feel comfortable because in this business, I sell an intangible good. Mm -hmm. You can't touch what I sell. So I really have to make this tangible, something that you find useful. So if the first session is where I have to make the biggest impact. So I talk about that confidentiality at the first session. And then I assess for that. You know, have you ever had those thoughts? Or did you want to hurt someone? So I make you feel comfortable talking about it the first session because I bring it up. I bring it up. Yeah, but as just as somebody who's been in a situation before, you, you never truly feel comfortable saying that. Because because sometimes, even even if I have no true intention on, you know, following through, I just want somebody to talk to, I want somebody to listen, I want somebody to make me feel better. I'm not going to say it because I don't want you trying to put me in an institution. I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want police or anybody else. You know, like, sometimes I might just want to say it. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that way and hold back. It comes out in different forms. I've had people say, well, I just don't want to be here. Not here in a therapy session. Right. Or they will say, you know, I just want to fly away. So the, people give you cues about how they're feeling. And that's when you process that with them. Not everybody should go in the hospital because you have a lot of people, especially people with borderline personality. We call it parasuicidal. 
they're always talking about, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to hurt myself. And they never have a plan. You know, you can want that and not have a plan. And if you don't have a plan, if you don't have the means, when you get hospitalized, if you have a plan and you have the means, that's when a therapist will, okay, they'll process that with you. But then they will explain it to you that because you said that, these are the steps I'm going to take. It's, I'm going to get you to trust me and for you to know that I'm doing the right thing. Okay. But I know that's difficult, but people always give signs. They they say something. But that's, I had a client, she, uh, she, uh, she was, her diagnosis was body dysphoric. Mm-hmm. But really she was um, male inside a female body. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, oh, she graduated from eighth grade. And before she graduated, I talked to her mom. I say, no dresses, no hair extensions. So her mom agreed to that. But her mom took her to get made up. And this person wanted to die. Literally, I finally got this person to stop cutting themselves. Mm-hmm. Finally, she finally stopped cutting herself. herself. And I finally... When the mom took her to get the makeup, she was suicidal. And she came to my office and she said, I just want to die. A therapist has to know their client. So I know that she had made many threats in the past, never went through with them. So my first old line of business was to get her mom and her family in, her support system, and really talk about this situation. Come up with a plan and then also have a sign of contract. And coming up with a plan, it means that family has to be a part of that plan. And then also making myself available to her. Everybody say that they want to kill themselves. Don't automatically go into the hospital. Only if you have that plan and if you have the means. And as a therapist, if I know you... I had a borderline personality disorder. Every Friday, she say, "I'm gonna kill myself," because I she couldn't be my best friend. She couldn't be my best friend. She, I'm gonna kill myself. I'm gonna kill myself. So I would call her aunt. I say, "Well, she's like it's Friday. She's on that kill myself trip. When she come home, check her book bag." So this one particular Friday, she checked her book bag. She had a broken bottle in her book bag, which she was really wanted to kill herself at this point, because I rejected her. She couldn't be my best friend. I had her hospitalized. Mm -hmm. You, as a therapist, you know who you're dealing with. We have a lot of calls like that. I'm a paramedic, and we have a lot of calls where people, we go, and they say they want to kill themselves, or they want to kill, you know, other people, and we got to take them to the hospital. We don't have a choice. Like, legally, you know. Because if you don't, and they go out here, and they do something, then... I had a, a situation uh, where this guy had a, a CD, and he was like, uh, I'm going to kill myself. He had the CD, and I had to hospitalize him because he had a CD. He had the means. So if I would have let him go home and he cut himself with that CD, then my license, my whole career is gone. Mm-hmm. So he had the means. He's something to do it with the CD. He had the CD. So you have no choice. 
when they have the means. And if they show up at a hospital and they say, I'm going to jump off the bridge, you have to hospitalize yep. them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With male and female relationships, you said that one of the coping mechanisms is to oversex. I said it could. I didn't say it was a coping mechanism. I said it could be obsessive. Obsessive. Excessive. Excessive. Well, I, I was talking about someone who was in a manic stage mm-hmm. of bipolarism. So be, uh, when they're in a manic stage, they can have uh, a lot of sex with multiple partners. It's like Ian from Shameless. Ian was bipolar. Remember how he was acting? I didn't see Shameless. Oh, you don't watch Shameless? You watch no. Shameless? One of y'all told me y'all watch Shameless. I'll be falling asleep on the bus. <laughs> I, I understand shit. That's me. That's you what? Go fuck something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was excessively it. cleaning. <laughs> it, like, everything was a sex excessive. He would clean the whole house, wake up real early. He, I almost thought he was, like, just on cocaine all the time. Because I know it's a TV show, but his character is just, he would just in the morning just really just... Energetic. Antsy, yeah, energetic, up all early, and everybody's still groggy because they're just waking up, and he's he's cleaned the whole house. He's made everybody a breakfast. He was definitely having a lot of sex, and then by night, he was sulking in his bed, didn't get out of bed for a couple of days. Yeah. So. That sounds it's, it's like the, cocaine. It's the, it, 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 it's, it's, the, it's the depression that you deal with because you 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 you... you want to talk to somebody, you want to deal with somebody, but then once the sex is over with, you got to still like, deal with yourself. You got, damn, like, you got an Uber? Same thing with drugs. <laughs> you know what is it the same thing I mean, with drugs? And, and, and the, you, 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 drug, you, drugs is a, a self-medication. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, I hear people say, well, I smoke because it slows down my thoughts. Like with bipolar, you can have racing thoughts. Yeah, but it, it slows down my thoughts. Yeah, look at the people that go to Church with y'all at New Life every day, every Sunday. And, and they, they they start off they they great. I'm going to give praise to the Lord. And then by two thirty, we at the day party over here at Geno's. <laughs> and they, <laughs> by five thirty, they 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 bras out. Goddamn, and they titties is out, nipples hard, and they trying to get out. Bombs. And that, and what they gotta do with church? They they self medicating. They their whole fucking day. They really fucked up in a, in a bad position. You, you don't think they crazy? I think you, you, you're not really dealing with it like that, but I see them. Like, they really want attention. They get rejected, and then they go fuck at night. What? Everybody trying to fuck at night, Mike. That ain't no uh, not, clinical diagnosis. I cannot wait to that man that you have beaten his son comes home from jail because he's running you a lot of times. He's going to beat your ass. He's going to infect some pain on you. Ain't nobody going to do nothing to me. Get their ass whooped. <laughs> social media. Quit whooping that man's son. Is, is social media the new psychology now? What do you mean? Where people air out and they talk about what's going on with them? You look at timelines on Facebook or on Twitter um, or Instagram and people will spill their souls. I think it helps. See? But but I say that because, I mean, for me, Even if I you feel get like... Wait, 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 wait. It's One a person modern at a time. diary. Modern? Right? So, so, if, so if I get on the internet... Or let's take away the internet. If there was no internet and I'm in my diary and my diary is secret, that's something only I know, 
that's not me being able to talk to anybody. So if I, out the blue, one day commit suicide, and then y'all read my diary, like, wow, she had all of these problems. I never knew what was going on. Whereas when people are posting it, it makes it easier to spot, and you know you can almost spot symptoms easier. You're reaching out for somebody to reach out to you. But then you I, help. I don't, I don't, I not, not necessarily because. Not you, but no, just that person. I'm, and no, I'm saying not necessarily because sometimes you're not necessarily reaching out for the attention. You're just reaching out because that's your way of venting. And then you have to remember, I'm 26. I came like. When I was a kid, kid, I didn't have the internet, but I started using the internet at 10. So people younger than me, this is all they know. Yeah, so, so if they want to vent, AOL, they're not huh? going to a journal, whereas I had a journal before AOL. I had a diary. I was writing. They don't do that. It's easy to go straight to the internet, but I think that it it makes it for other people. Like if your family member, I have a family member who's always on Facebook saying like mad depressing shit. So we know that about her. We know she's going through something. So people, it's easier to reach out. It's easier to try to help. Whereas if we didn't have that, she would just be bottling all of that stuff in. So once again, it's social media, the new psychology. A lot of people are lonely and they use social media as an outlet. So possibly, but people have to understand that what they put out in the cloud, it's going to stay in the cloud. It's yeah. going to follow you in the cloud. It's out there. So I think social media, the boundaries are extremely poor. But I agree with you, Brittany, that some people, because they're lonely or they're feeling a certain way, they put it out there. And that's a, a cry for help. But, you know, you find a lot of people who are narcissistic, like our president, who tweets about everything and he's never wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he has to be heard all the time. It doesn't matter what day or day, time of the day it is. He's going to tweet. You all's president. I told you my president is the same <laughs> president I had in 88 for my senior class, Eddie Shaw, Eddie Skaggs. I don't go listen to Donald Trump. Go ahead. <laughs> well, okay. as a, the, you know, whatever, Donald Trump. Yeah. A, so people likes to be, you have a, a lot of people who give advice, narcissistic <laughs> advice. You know, everybody is wrong and I'm right. And you have, a teaching sick people, you know, so it is, I'm going to say it is what it is. It serves its purpose. Uh, you're not going to get out of here without saying this uh, narcissistic uh, definition. Narcissistic personality disorder you find mostly, mainly in men. And this is, I'm just going to say it, Donald Trump. Right. Okay. Never wrong. Oh, that's a bad person. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. CNN, that's fake news. Yeah. So, never wrong. Look at my African-American friend over there. Isn't he the greatest? <laughs> Look at my African-American. <laughs> yeah, that's he what he said. This. Yeah. I yeah. mean, is, is, can we blame the white man for, not, for our problems? Now, can... in 2017, 2016, what's up, Obama? Now you raised your hand. I had a follow-up question that was ignored, but continue. Right, right, and I was going, I was trying to have a conversation with Britt for a second. And as far as social media goes, she talked about having a journal, which was private. And uh, I was wondering if, if social media wasn't to the detriment of some people who have, you know, an issue where they want to get out there because everybody's not friendly on social media. Some people, antagonize and antagonize a person to suicide when they're on the brink. So that's why I was just trying to have a conversation back with uh, Britt and try to get her thought, get her thoughts on, you know, 
having your business out there and and absorbing, you know, the criticism or the help that you're going to get? I mean, that's true, but it's risks and benefits to everything in life. So, I mean, everything has a good and a bad. But I was just saying that for, for people who do need help and have a problem with reaching out, I do think that the social media thing helps versus just being totally afraid to tell somebody or feeling like you don't have anybody to tell at all. But won't you get a lot of bogus advice, though? Yeah, it's, sometimes it's not about advice. Sometimes it's about I just want to get it out. You just want to be Because heard. I went through that a lot. I, I, I used to have it bad where, I um like in high school, I would say something on Facebook, and I'm not looking for your advice. I'm not looking for your tears. It was just I literally had nowhere else to put it. I had to get it out of me because it was tearing me up for it to be in my head. So you're not looking for anybody to comment anything? Yeah. No, if they just... do, if they do, fine. But but it wasn't that wasn't my purpose. Okay. She felt better so, just knowing she got it exactly, out. Exactly, just right, knowing right, that right. I had yeah. it out and it was. She expressed herself. Right, right, right. All right, I got you. We're in here with three so it... three therapists. <laughs> God damn it. So social media could be it is what it is. People use it for their own purposes. Right. Wow, that's something. It is. Because my man Jamal put me in a group called the Hall of Fame. Oh, my God. I'll be damned. <laughs> they be oh busting it wide open up there, don't they, Jamal? <laughs> <laughs> you, you pulling an Obama out of this week. You know that, right? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. What was I about to say? Get back to my question. Well, y'all should see Obama out of jeans in here week two this week. He got on Ew. some George Michaels. Nah. Bombs! Should black people blame white people for social that issues? White, white people, white man. White man. The white, are we, are we, we still blame the white man for our problems that we have, um, that we internalize so much that we have these, these issues of not getting along with our, our, Sons and daughters, and yeah, some man who just went raw last night and made a baby, got a lady pregnant, but he blaming Willie Lynch bombs from four hundred years ago. I mean, we can say that some uh, some of the social issues that black men we're talking about men experience can impact how they relate to their families and how and what they take home with them. You know, if you're at work, you are being if you feel that you're being discriminated against or you're not getting your due diligence, you can't take that home because where can you be yourself? Mm-hmm. At home, working like with black women, we have to put on so many faces. You okay. know, we 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 got to be we we a sister girl, we're professional, we're a mother. We carry so many faces. Black men carry the same faces, so. We have social issues. We can't because I don't think, and I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, that you guys don't worry about getting pulled over at night. Who do? Well, by police. I worry about that. Wait, don't worry about it? That you don't worry about it. No, I worry about I it. Worry I know that you worry. Yeah. I, I even worry about it. I worry about it. You know, a lot getting of stuff. pulled over. I worry about it. You do? But yeah, the consequences Why, of Cal? getting pulled over. Because I'm a white man going through a black neighborhood. They think he's he trying to he score. He lives in a black neighborhood on yeah, the west side. They think he's trying to score. So they, might... so they think you're looking for drugs. Yeah. Right. And once they don't find drugs, you're on your way. But me, on the other hand, I, if I, I'm just minding my business, I may get shot. I got pulled out of my car, tossed, 
They had to call the female cop to come search me all for... They literally never even told me why they pulled me over. So, and I'm a woman, so I couldn't imagine being a man. It's it's hell for no reason, whereas, yeah, you might feel some type of paranoia about being pulled over. When you get pulled over, they're going to ask you a question. They're going to treat you with some decency, and you won't be spending at least an hour wondering why you even in the predicament. And, and that's the difference between being white and black and being pulled over by the police. And there's a psychological impact also, you know, just like a woman in an abuse relationship. Uh, she's affected by the relationship psychologically. If I do this, then he's going to hit me. If I do this, then he's going to talk to me like I'm crazy. So I'm going, going to do that. So that's psychological. So if I ask for a black male, if I'm driving down the street or if I'm walking down the street, if I look a certain way, then I might get stopped. That's a psychological impact. And I'm not sure as being a white male, you feel that same psychological impact. You do? Uh, I, the thing is, I don't know. I don't know how they... How how you guys? I I have you can some, say they. Go ahead, man. Stop uh, stop stop choice. Stop being choicey with your words because of them too, man. Talk. I've told you that before. I know. Talk. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I meant they as in you guys. Okay. I, I, I just don't know as in how you guys feel when you guys get pulled over or anything like that because I'm not I'm not you. You know I've I've never been black, right. so yeah. I just don't know. Well, yeah. I, I understand I, what you're I, saying. I feel like. There's nothing, I, f I feel totally scared because you have these people who get into these altercations with the police or die at the hands of police. And then the first thing a lot of people, mostly white people, but some black people too, they say is, well, you shouldn't have been doing this or you shouldn't have been talking like that. But then you have other people who literally will still die who didn't say anything. And so when I get pulled over, I feel afraid to even ask, why am I being pulled over? Because anything that I say, you can take it how you want to take it. You can say you feel threatened. You can say that I'm being aggressive, even if I'm not. And so I, I totally, when I get pulled over, I literally don't know what's about to happen. There's I something. could die right now. And that's a psychological effect. I have two sisters that are police officers. And Caucasians, uh, if they're drunk or whatever, if they're stopping them, they get spit on, they get called niggers, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and that person gets to drive home. Mm. But if you stop, I, I, I stopped, I would stop my son and I. My son had French braids. And he stopped me. He didn't have a reason to stop me. And I called him Barney Five, you know, fake police. And what my son and I went through, I was so angry that he stopped me and because I didn't give him a reason to stop me. I didn't I wasn't speeding. It was dark. It was raining. I wasn't speeding and he just stopped me. He was just, you know, my son was in the car. And I wanted to go there with him so bad. So my way of dealing with him was to call him Barney Five, fake police. So, but I really wanted to get out my car and go because he stopped me for no reason. He stopped me and said, did you stop me because you stopped my son? Why did you stop me? I don't understand. Why did you stop me? He didn't give me a reason why he stopped me. He just stopped me, rolled me two tickets. No no excuse for that. None whatsoever. But the 
when I called him Barney Five, the way he treated me in front of my son was inexcusable. In order to feel better or to save face, and I, I did tell my son that wasn't the right thing to do. But I was just so angry because you stopped me for no reason. Okay. I got another scenario for you. Real, uh, um, I got a phone call today um, from a customer of the, uh, the popcorn. And the person was telling me that um, her friend, a friend, a friend of her friend who she referred over to, the, to come to the popcorn shop did not want to come to the popcorn shop because of the blinds in the windows. Okay. Um, she said that it looks tacky and, you know, and all this other kind of stuff like that. Um, to my retort to her was, I said, you know, I understand what you're saying. Uh, you know, I, I don't agree because that's what we're going to do, you know, have the blinds in the window. But I, I told her this, blacks always find some kind of way to not purchase, buy, be a consumer. We find the smallest thing. If it wouldn't have been the blinds, it'd have been like he clued too close to the to the train tracks or whatever. Right. Some kind of problem to not give money to that black business. Yeah. What kind of issue is that underlying? Distrust. Distrust. Disrespect. Because we learn that. I, I'm glad you brought that up because we learned that in our families. Okay. Uh, who hurt us the most in life? The black man. Black, black woman. Black get, people. Right. Our family. Each other. Yeah. We get hurt in our families when we go in a job and we trying to jail with people. Who hurt us the most? The black. Would so, you say black? You say I, black? Yeah. Easily. We, Would you agree you, you two agree with that? When I was a child, I had that mindset. As I got older, it became white people. Jugs? I don't agree or disagree. You don't agree or disagree what? I don't I don't know the answer. Who hurt us the most? I don't know. Like who, who, who's caused you the most pain? Myself. Yourself? And you black. All right. Okay. So, but we have this distrust for one another. Uh-huh. And we have this. As people get hurt in their families, and then your family is where you're supposed to feel protected, yeah, loved, yeah, cared for. Come on with it. And this is where you are being socialized to the world is through your family. Yeah. And if you are socialized to the world in a dysfunctional way, then you're going to be dysfunctional in your thinking. So we have this distrust for one another. And this anger, like if you, I used to be a substitute substitute teacher, and oh. the kids would fight. Oh. They was in the third grade. They would fight like grown men and women. I didn't get in it because I would I would have got hurt. Uh, but they would fight. Because, but when their mom came up to school, I saw who the bully was. Or when their dad came up to the school, you saw the bully. You you saw the bully. Next time she hits you, you knock that bitch out. Bounce. That's what you said to a third grade. But no, but that's I, what they talk. That's the truth. He's, but, he's telling the so truth. So that's how we being socialized. Well, there's a great distrust, an anger. I had an issue. The girl was in the third grade, 
but she should have been in the fifth grade. She was a big girl. God damn. And I, I <laughs> she had her own issues. She had her challenges. And yeah. I, 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 I was trying to help her to learn how to read. Okay. And um, she was embarrassed. Yeah. So she went home and told her mom, I call her retarded. So instead of the mom worrying about a third grader who should have been in the fifth grade and not reading, yeah. she came up to school to cuss me out and to jump on me. Yeah, she had Vaseline on her face. And, and she allowed <laughs> she allowed her third grader, who was my height, to push my face like that. Ooh. So this is what we're being socialized. Total disrespect for one another. Where were you? Where was the school at? On the West Side. Yeah. Impoverished neighborhood? Impoverished neighborhood. Okay. But that's no excuse. No, no, no. But is that the cycle, though? Is that the cycle being the cycle repeating the cycle? This was like in 1998. So I guarantee that that fifth grader that was in the third grade right now has about six kids, (laughs) five baby daddies. I was in third grade in 98. But the point I'm trying to make She's is where's the respect? <laughs> the respect for uh, a, a black business that's thriving, not hurting anybody. No. Where's the respect? It doesn't matter. We every business can't be perfect. I mean, and she I think she, she got offended that I was offended by this. About the, the the talk. We got blinds down for a reason. You know, we don't want everybody to see what's going on and see what's coming at night at nighttime. Or whatever. She just said, fuck it, go on over there to Gary. Did get you feel that uh, that you needed to explain that to her? Or did she want you to explain that to her? She wanted to, she's wanted to, you know, she said something to the fact that, you know, we we didn't, we got two signs up. We got one on the side and we got one up, up top. That we don't have uh, enough signage saying that we're there. We're right there on the corner of 79th and St. Louis. Just because the blinds are down, after a certain time or whatever, doesn't mean you don't need to stop come in and stop in and purchase the business. You, if you have no problem going to any other delegate, I told her you have no. I said black people have no problem when I was talking about her friends or whatever. Have no problem going into these Arabs stores, getting talked, getting talked to any kind of way, treated any kind of such. You have no problems going into some of these white establishments and everything and the get gas station to sell loose squares, right? The young boy out there with his pants down to his ankles and his drawers showing, and he got dreadlocks, and he's he didn't, he got to buy weed. He got to buy all this shit before you even get in there to get your ten dollars worth of gas. Right. You, <laughs> you no, got to purchase another file with this shit on the way to go. Pump you got, the you got no the other, gas. you got no other problem. No problems going into white delegations. You know whether they mess up your food or whatever they do. You got no problem, no issues, and everything. But you you. Quick to say, I'm not going to go in there because of some blinds. We find the smallest thing to not take it further. You know to what not, you're saying? To, to not give us our business. What are you about to say? No, I just wanted to ask a question. Did you Have you seen other popcorn places or establishments with blinds like yours? Because honestly, I was just thinking if I was walking past and you had the blinds down, I wouldn't think that you were open. I was thinking the same thing. So have you have especially, you, especially yeah. on 79th, even though it is St. Louis, that's where I live. So I know that part of 79th is not like East 79th, but I would think the same exact thing. Right. The blinds are down after we're closed. But you said it. 
You, you said, said she should you, still come yeah, in. Yeah, you said she should still come in. Right. After she you close? No, 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 not after you close. She should, she, there should, my problem mm-hmm. is, why are you, you know, because the blinds, because we have blinds up or blinds down after a certain time, why are you going to not come in, to, come in and purchase popcorn, come sample and taste popcorn? You don't want to come to the business whatsoever at all, period. Because the door is glass you can see in. Because yeah. of blinds. You understand what I'm saying? I thought you were saying you want her to come in with the blinds are down. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. She stated she stated point blank to me that her friend of a friend who she referred over did not want to come come to the, the business because of blinds. The blinds being down, hard to find and everything like that. The store is not hard to find. It's right on the corner. I bet you a friend parked you a car on the expressway to go see Gucci Man at the factory and hop the gate. Or, or, because she's older and she's a Jehovah's Witness, she's, you know, she has no problem finding going to that Peebo Bryson concert. Yeah, I bet she, she believes going Jesus out is that Capricorn way, too, though. Go, go out to, go to, go to Ticketmasters and, you know, able to find, you, 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 we find every kind of excuse not to do something, but it goes, it's something that's underlying inside of us, period. Yeah, because of white people. You say it's because of white people. You still like with Brittany, Willie Lynch. Like, okay, like like with Brittany. It's Brittany. not about Willie Lynch, Mike. You keep trying to make it a cartoon situation. But it it's, is. It's, it's, it's not life a cartoon. Is a cartoon. It's Why do you think it's about black and it's, white people? Why do you think that white people got us to the point where we hate each other or hate ourselves? The way that the institutions are set up and the condition that black people were put in Help. I mean, it made us the way that we are. We were kings and queens and uh, and had access to gold and diamonds and all this other stuff. Nobody just leaves that, you know, willingly. Just, oh, I'm going, I'm going to go from a king to a crackhead over a period of time by choice. So obviously there was an outside interference in what was going on. This is that simple. It's not, it's not even a complex thought. Why would you would you go from a queen to a crackhead if you by choice if nothing else happened it just from by, queens it just to hap- crackheads that's what name I'm saying an episode it's just it, and and it, and it gets me upset sometimes when it's just like pushed to the side like black people just want to be fucked up or people say all oh, black people we like crabs in a barrel well a crab's fucking natural habitat is not a barrel. So that's why crabs act like they act in a fucking barrel because they're not in their natural habitat. So it just it just upsets me sometimes when shit is just like brushed to the side or jokes are made about the condition of black people. Because me as a black man that feels responsible for my neighborhood and my community, it's it's a little bit offensive. So that's my little tangent. Man, all I got to say about all that is y'all got to get over that shit. It's not nothing to get Fuck over, all man. That. That's my favorite two words. Fuck that and fill in the blank. But Fuck Willie Lynch. Fuck it. Got to get over and this, it. This is part it, of the reason why not, black people can't It's not can't that advance. simple to just get over that. I wish it was that simple, but a lot of stuff, it becomes innate. Innate. It's, it's, in, it's in our subconscious, and that's how it comes out. Okay, well, then should we, going off what he's saying by saying fuck it and fuck that. Yeah. Um. Should the black man and black woman concentrate on being financially successful? And wealthy? Well, I'm always thinking about wealth. Right. Uh, 
I think in order for us to move forward in this country, that we have to build our own wealth again. So, but I think that we should support one another as black people because we don't have anybody else. Therefore, it goes back to my, my, what I was saying. How long can we keep continuing blaming the white man? Because you can't get, you can't go around them. You Who can't... controls the institutions? Wait, wait, wait. Let them let them finish talking now. You, you, you can't go around the white man no matter what. He has he he has his hand in everything. No matter what you're gonna do, if you're gonna whatever you want to do in life, he has his hand in it. So you're gonna give him something of your pie. No matter what type of pie you're gonna do, the institution, all that shit, the school, the school you got your your, your degree from was what school? Was it an HBCU? Me. No, it wasn't HBCU. All right, it was a white school, right? Yeah. All right, all right. So what I'm saying is, you're not going to get around them. So don't get so black and all this shit, all the it's kings not. and queens and all that shit. Fuck that. We're here now. This is 2017. So we supposed to stay in this condition just because you want us to stay do, in it. Just stay in the condition. Do what you can to get out of it so, for so, yourself. So don't solicit black businesses because we need for to stay self. in it. Now he's saying, if that don't, makes you, don't if, solicit your black business. Because if that, if that doesn't make a lady happy, if that doesn't no, no, make her I happy, he, I think he's. I think he's saying this: the condition we supposed to I stay think, in. No, I, I think he's saying that. I'm asking some popcorn buying gonna get it. Because black he's an community. entrepreneur. Because I, he's not working for nobody else, and that's how you build wealth by working for yourself, not working for somebody else, not making somebody else wealthy. He's trying to make himself a black man. Right, so the last, the last time you bought popcorn, did you buy it from somebody I don't white eat or popcorn. black? Popcorn. That's Dude, why I haven't gone to his establishment. Some McDonald's. McDonald's. You came in the barbershop with McDonald's. What does the that last have, time that you bought some, what does some that have burgers to do with from somebody black? Okay with Anything. You, I'm, what I'm saying is you're going to have to deal with the white man every day. I said that we, I said that they're in control of the institution. You're just doing, you're not doing nothing but saying the same thing that I already said. I said they're in control of the institution. I said fuck all that kings and queens shit. That shit is past. Gone. It I'm not going to never worry about that shit. Fuck that. Jesus I think, <laughs> I think the condition of our community will continue to uh, oh, deteriorate if we don't start building wealth for ourselves and our children. Okay, but when you do build wealth, then you feel like, okay, you when you do build wealth and you do get, you know, financially up there, you can't go back. You can't look back. Then you start playing in different circles. Then you equate that white delegation. I think that you you, you realize that that, that the, the word I want to use the word I want to use the word conundrum so bad, but you realize the 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 conflict with that. It's that you know, okay, guy gets rich, mm-hmm. black man gets rich. Mm-hmm. He applies, starts to apply, he starts to go into different social circles. Mm-hmm. He gets accepted by the white delegation. Mm-hmm. Um, only because of his status. Right. But it's only because, not because of his skin color, his status. He loses his, he loses a part of his cultural identity. Um, Playing these new social circles in, the new, in that new status. Comes back to the hood. Gets robbed. And they kill him. Then what? They kill him? Yeah. I mean, then what? Do you, you understand what I'm saying? The, the, the conundrum and, and the conflict that you go through, you know, period, 
So you, it's you, like you know, it's like like in the seventies, like they said, you know, they they only dated white women back in the seventies to get back at the white man. We gonna show whitey, we get you know, Mister Charlie that we gonna mack his bitch down and that thing. She gonna come on home. You know, you know how the seventies was, right? OJ, OJ, super fly. I Everybody wanted to be super OJ fly. Simpson. I always thought it was the forbidden fruit. The white women were the, the forbidden fruit. They were. Okay, so they were the forbidden fruit. Back in the seventies, I'm gonna tell y'all. So y'all who's the this? snake that spoke to the black man to tell him not to touch the fruit? White man. No, what was you saying? Now? The kings and queens thing. We were kings and queens. We still are. But we have a conflict with inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Will we ever get over that conflict, that psychological conflict inside of ourselves? That's what I want to know. If we, uh, if we get these, get, get this to the social circles, social wealthy status, rich, well, we'll never be wealthy because the thing about it is we'll be rich, but never be wealthy. They say it's going to take 228 years to equal the, the, the wealth of the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and, the Kennedy families and shit like that, where money is just, they have generational wealth. Watch what's going to happen in the next few weeks when these income tax checks start coming back. Yeah. How they going to show their ass with these checks and get their hell down in their ass and buy Jordans, babies that can barely walk, walking in the barbershop. She want a mohawk on the design on the side and all that shit. And after that, they want to get free haircuts for the rest of the fucking year because they done fucked all their money off. Right. That's That's not an easy question. And the reason why I say that, you don't, have to be rich to be conflicted. You can just look at some of your own family members. You grew up with some cousins, and then when you look at the cousins, and you you're not like that no more. You know, they you don't want to live like they live. You're not doing that what they're doing. You're not doing that, so you're conflicted because you can't relate to them any longer. And you don't have to be rich, and when you cannot relate to people or situations any longer. It's niggas out here that's. That's 45 years old for, with braids with beads in them and still wear do-rags. Then, but, then, but then you have the guys that, you know, are are in a different social circle, same age, who are wearing smoking jackets and smoking cigars. And, you know, it's a conflict that we have with inside the black delegation. Are you really conflicted if you make some choices? I have a cousin that live around the corner from me. He's an alcoholic. And and we have different lifestyles, but we grew up together, we played together, we raised our kids together. But am I conflicted because she chose this life and I chose another? And she refers to me as a stuck-up bitch? Should I be conflicted? Should you be conflicted? What is that in psychological terms, though? That's jealousy. Should I be conflicted because she's jealous of what I chose to do with my life versus become an alcoholic? Do we blame the white man because of that jealousy? No, I blame her. Because we we came from the same family. We had different parents. We had the same, we could have made the same choices, but we had different choices. We made different choices. So should I be conflicted? Okay. It, it appears that she has the conflict. And not me. Are you open to doing a part two on this? Yes, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a 
of course, we all get the same 24 hours is what you do with them 24 hours in every day. If you, if you want to sleep to like 1 o'clock and somebody else getting their day started at 6 o'clock in the morning, I mean, that's on you. And if they, it, it, it depends on what you do, how you manage your time and what you do in your timeline. It's like you on your timeline and your Twitter and your Instagram and all that. It's what you do with your time. You got to value your time. And until you realize what's, 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 what's going on with your life and your time, things ain't going to change. You know what I'm saying? And and those are my views and my views only. Like, I, I, I teach my kids the same thing. Like, at one point in time, you're going to be grown. And now, now they're grown. Now they have to make decisions. You can call me, and, and and I'm gonna give you the 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 best advice possible. But my beliefs is my beliefs. You believe in what you believe in, but you can't keep thinking I'm gonna rescue you because I'm not gonna rescue you. That's the enabling thing, right? Yeah, I, I don't believe in that because I wasn't the same way. I believe in support, not enabling. Yeah, it's, I'm going to support you as long as this in a positive way. I'm not going to go and support my daughter dancing at fucking Red Diamond on the pole. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's a lot of money on the Honestly, pole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, but, but that's, a, that's the job of the black father. Um, to keep his daughter from dancing on the pole. Yeah, that is. It is. Please, you know, promote and plug um, your business. Definitely. Alice Gibson, Positive Affirmation Counseling Services. I'm located at 9415 West uh, Southwestern, Chicago, Illinois, 60643. I work with children and adult family members, couples. Uh, my specialty is depression and anxiety. Um, work with people who have issues at work, couples who are having conflicts in their relationship, children who are having issues with uh Regulating their emotions at home and at school. Come see the therapist. Yeah, if you can't beat your kids, similar to her, she's right across the street from Walmart. Bombs! <laughs> you scared to beat your son's ass and keep buying them Jordans every two weeks. Standing in line at 3 o'clock in the morning, that's what you get. How do people get a hold of you? Any social media I'm sites? I'm on Psychology Today. So they can go to Psychology Today and they can... Uh, uh, type in my name, Alice Gibson, and uh, they can get me through Psychology Today. Okay. And you... And then also, starting next month, I will be doing workshops at libra- libraries throughout the city of Chicago on different issues. Uh, children, mental health, adult mental health, uh, abuse, trauma, PTSD. Right. We didn't even get. We didn't talk about PTSD at all. We so, gotta do a part two. That's can. like that police thing I was talking about, though. Kind of. Yeah, that's what a lot of us are going through it now. We don't even know it because we lost so many people, friends, family members to violence in the streets of Chicago. I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Um, this was a. This is a good enlightening uh, um, um, podcast to this time. We did mix. We it was serious. We did mix a little comedy in there and, and everything, but we did reveal ourselves with this. And I, I, I thank you, Abominati. I thank you, Brittany. Yeah. I thank you, Kyle Reese. AKA. We got you one way ticket to Egypt, so you go back over there with the fucking kings and queens, uh, Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> Hardy, har har. I thank you, Kyle <laughs> Reese, aka Mighty Whitey. Thank you, um, Magic Mike. Most importantly, I thank you um, for being elaborative today. Um, 
we got we can Miss Gibson. We can do it a part two in the sure. future. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about PTSD. I do want to talk about that. Okay. Because black men suffer from PTSD. You hear that, white mighty whitey? Your fault. Dad ain't erectile dysfunction. Mama every day we were away from me is another day we get closer to see you again. If it is to be, it's to be up to me. And that's a wrap for episode 82. Reasonable Jason Ignorance Wood. Podcast. What's the name of it, Britt? This episode? Crackhead. From Kings to Crack. From uh, Kings to Queens. No, it's, to crack not. it's the Alice Gibson episode. Crackheads um, Reasonable Ignorance Podcast now on iTunes, now on SoundCloud. Download, subscribe, share, comment. Bombs!